106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. One of the many things I have done as president and thereafter is to expose the massive corruption and fraud that takes place on a regular basis within the USA. Hard to believe, isn't it? Look how corrupt the Department of Injustice has turned out to be. And the FBI with FISA, Twitter files, lies to Congress and everywhere else. The laptop from hell, Facebook, the top agent in charge of the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax just being arrested, an insurance policy, and 51 intel agents. It's a big scam. I exposed it all, and I will be the one to clean it up. Make America great again. Thank you. Sex really is binary. There's no question about it. You're either male or female, and it's absolutely clear. You can do it on gamete sides. You can do it on chromosomes. To me, as a biologist, distinctly weird. People can simply declare, I am a woman though I have a penis. Helen, what do you think lies behind this odd distortion of reality? I would say that when I started to write about it first, I quickly realised that this wasn't treated the same way as anything else. Like, just asking very obvious questions, like, um, don't you think that if we allow people to self-identify their sex, this will lead to, for example, destroying women's sports or putting rapists in women's jails? People would turn this back on me and say, you think that trans people are predators. You're a bigot. What we were talking about here was an intensely linguistic movement. Like, there isn't a sense in which a man can become a woman, except linguistically. Like, yes, okay, he can have operations. Most trans people don't have any operations, don't take any medicine. But that doesn't change your sex. Do you guys remember, right before the 2016 election, that Democrats, the media, Hollywood, were all telling Americans that if Trump were to win, if Trump were to win the presidency, that he would turn into this raging, radical, crazy tyrant of a dictator. And that he would force Americans to do things against their will, that he would censor speech, and that he would attempt to jail his opposition. To jail his opposition. Here's an interesting form of murder we come up with, assassination. You know what's interesting about assassination? Well, not only does it change those popularity polls in a big hurry, <laughs> but it's also interesting to notice who it is we assassinate. Do you ever notice who it is? Stop to think of who it is we kill. It's always people who've told us to live together in harmony and try to love one another. Jesus, Gandhi, Lincoln, John Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, John Lennon. They all said, try to live together peacefully. Bam! Right in the fucking head. Apparently, we're not ready for that.
Good evening, this is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio. And this is our 230th podcast, our episode. And it will uh, it will arrive on August 25 of 2023. We're working on it tonight in Northern California, up in Yuba County, where it's steamy tonight. It's hot, and the mosquitoes are everywhere. I don't know whether they're coming out of the rice fields up here. But uh, I got attacked standing outside, and I'm all itchy and a little bit hot tonight, but I waited till it cooled down in here to start. So welcome, wherever you are. Hope you're chilling and having a good time whenever you get onto this podcast. <clears throat> if you're new to it, we've been doing it for a while, a few years, and once a week. So the new show pops up every week. Uh, you usually can get it from your podcast source if you're a regular podcast person, or you could go to our website at nohostagesradio.com. And also our uh, email for me is connected to that website, so it's lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. If you care to send me an email or uh, information or comment or whatever you want to do. Also, you can reach me by phone, uh, then I just use one number nowadays for everything I do, and that's my cell phone. It's 530-713-1838. Once again, 530-713-1838, and you're welcome to call, text, leave a message if you like. I do call people back. I, I do answer the phone. If I don't know who it is, it's fine. There's, I do a number of projects in the community that uh, reach out to people I don't know, so I expect calls from new folks. Not not a problem. Uh, you can call me any day of the week. It's good, good for me. I will be on the road for a while, for a, about two weeks uh, over in Asia. So I will have my phone with me and uh, also my uh, laptop so I can still connect with all of you if, uh, if you want something done. But I will be out of, out of the country for a while and... Uh, so, um, we also do a, a live show uh, that some people like to listen to that are in other states, and and uh, it's an AM station, so uh, just the live uh, signal doesn't reach out, but you can listen to it. If you go to the website, nohostagesradio.com, and you click on, there's a listen, listen live uh, icon there, and you can just click on that, and you can it'll give you the live feed. So we're uh, do it. We do a show from 10 a.m. in the morning, 10 in the morning to one in the afternoon. That's our time on the left coast every single Saturday. So so you the podcast comes up as a recording, and then the live broadcast happens. We call that Live with Lou, and there is a Facebook site that kind of ties into that called Live with Lou. You can check that out if you're a Facebook person. A lot of my friends have left Facebook. But I'm still on for a number of good reasons, uh, even though I don't like to support Mr. Zuckerberg. These are some comments that I saw this week that I thought were interesting. They're kind of tongue, some are tongue in cheek, a little funny, but they're uh, they tap into the difficulties of what we're going what we're going through right now in our world in our in the United States, which I'm most familiar with. But also spend I, I spend a good deal of time in communist countries. So I am familiar with what's going on in those countries as well. Uh, 
I made a comment over the last couple of weeks about a uh, in school system. You, you know how uh, if you've been around a while and if you ever played sports and competed and they gave trophies and medals and things like that, not everybody got one. Just the people that performed at the highest level, the team that won the tournament, the top three performers in a swim meet or track meet or whatever. But all of a sudden, we went to a change in our society where if people just could breathe and uh, were on the team, even if they didn't show up much and they didn't practice much, everybody got a trophy called a participation trophy. It's interesting that in life, uh, we don't pay people for just showing up and breathing. At least we shouldn't. And Well, I guess we do in government. It takes a lot to get, get fired out of government. But in the private sector where you actually have to make money and make a profit to stay in business, uh, people that do not perform well do not get pay. That's their trophy, right? They, do, they don't get a participation trophy. They, they should get – pay should be on, based on performance, correct? So recently, Fallis Ronnie, who was the new superintendent out of Los Angeles that came up here Sadly, to take over our Marysville Joint Unified School District, I think there's maybe 10,000 kids in that district from preschool on through uh, the senior year of high school. She made a comment on a radio show that her kids, the kids in Marysville Joint Unified were brilliant, which I took issue with because I think that's just like giving everybody a participation trophy. Uh, and brilliant for the years that I went through school would have been uh set aside that term would been been designated for people like einstein and uh people like ben carson's of the world and uh very bright people right they're obviously brighter than the average person human so that word would be reserved for that not for our kids so when i saw this statement this week i thought well that just proves my point so the person wrote, if you think you are smarter than people 50 years ago, that's my, my father's group, the, what they called, some people called the greatest generation, went through the Depression, went through World War II, went through the Korean War, went through lots of wars, lots of difficulty, and uh, struggled. I think 25, 30% of the population was unemployed during the, the Depression. It lasted over 10 years, I think 10 to 15 years, and a very difficult time. So this says, if you think you're smarter than people 50 years ago, think about this. An auto owner's manual back then offered instructions on how to adjust the valves. Now, I, I, I've heard that term my whole life. We used to, have, uh, get, we used to give our cars tune-ups where you buy the... Uh, spark plugs replace the plugs and you have to set them a certain gap and my friends would help me because i didn't take auto shop but in our auto shop in high school they would learn about adjusting the valves so in the owner's manual it's saying that it actually gave instructions on how to adjust your own valves can anybody even consider doing that today um <laughs> today uh the warning in your owner's manual is not to drink the contents of the battery. I thought that was a wonderful way to capture the difference in education attainment today uh, versus back in the day. 
This guy goes on to write, just when I was losing my faith in society, I see an old lady smile and give up her seat for a pregnant man with a beard. He, he went on to write, Anthony Fauci is suggesting if you wear two swimsuits this summer, you can pee in the pool. That You shouldn't be shocked by that. That's the kind of logic it is about wearing two and three masks. David Martin, I, I don't have the video, uh, and you, you couldn't see it anyway, but David, Dr. David Martin just made a, uh, a video showing all the various viruses, bacterias, and gunk and various sizes. You ever seen a shot of the universe where it shows the different sizes of the planets? In relationship to one another, in relationship to the earth, relationship to the sun. He did it on all the various things that can go up your nose. And also through the mask. It was just, you know, it's it's uh, when you, I would put uh, David Martin in the category of brilliant. When he speaks, uh, it, it causes you to, your brain to spend a little bit extra says, Californians suffering the Newsom drought are thrilled for the hurricane because it's washing the feces off the sidewalks. There's all kinds of rules on watering. I just talked to some people today. They said you can't water certain lawns. They're commercial facilities. If they're not open to the public, you can't keep grass. You can't water the lawn anymore. So now we hope that because there's so much people that just use the sidewalk. We've gone from indoor plumbing to now just going back to outdoor plumbing and just taking a crap and a piss wherever you want. And so Californians are thrilled that at least a hurricane came through to clean off the sidewalks. If you are from another state and you were wondering if the state of California is overwhelmed by these storms and earthquakes, it is not. That's uh, media hype. So whenever it rains in Las Vegas, I'll just tell you, I've, I've been around for almost 100 years. So whenever it rains, and you don't have to have any media hype. If it rains in Las Vegas, they don't have, they don't have storm drain systems. So everything just runs on the surface. And many parts of L.A., same, same. It just runs on the surface till it gets into those big runoff, those big ditches that you could drive a car down the bottom of. That's just the way it is. That's the way the 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 uh, it, those are those towns uh, are built in the desert in an arid area. They only get a few inches a year uh, down here. Up here in Cali- uh, Northern California Valley, we get twenty inches. You go up in the hills, forty inches of rain up here. We got a little sprinkle. We got, you know, kind of just watered the lawn for us up here during this uh, hurricane that came through. And I can't speak for Mexico, but I can. I do know what's going on in Las Vegas and L.A. and San Diego. Some of my friends live in San Diego. They said they walked out of church and they it was as a no big deal. It was just, yeah, it was a storm, but it was just no big deal. I heard, oh, that 1,200 people lost power in San Diego. 1,200 people, 1,200 uh, folks will lose power in my town right here. I got a town of 12,000 people, 
1,200 people will lose if somebody runs off the road. It's no big deal. They just hype it. One of the listeners to the show, some posted this. He said, as a result of Bidenomics, Motel 6 won't leave the light on anymore. A picture is now only worth 200 words. Dirty deeds will no longer be done dirt cheap. Due to budget cuts, the light at the end of the tunnel has been turned completely off. Joan Rivers said, if you cause someone to laugh, she remembers she's the comic, kind of the trashy mouth comic. I used to love to listen to her. She's so uh, interesting, her, the way she thinks. She's dead now. She died right after she she came out in the open and called uh, Barack Obama gay and his partner, Michael, transsexual. She had a procedure done in the, in the doctor's office and, uh, or, a, you know, elective procedure, and she died on the table. Interesting. Also, uh, Chris Hull, the guy that sent this last package to me of, of interesting comments, Hurricane Hillary came on land, but the biggest loss was 30,000 emails. For California, that's all that was. Hillary's emails was worse. All over, when we think about what happened in Maui and what we think about what happened to the town of Paradise, which is about 30 miles from here, and other areas of the country, Canada, this person wrote, arson is not climate change. And I think I mentioned last week that top scientists at Princeton and MIT have, are finally saying the entire climate change agenda is a hoax. I have more to say about that if we don't run out of time, but uh, it's a hoax. And the interesting thing is how many, how many uh, lies will they teach your kids in school before you, before you leave? Teaching things like that they came from a monkey instead of from God. Oh, well, Lou, we can't talk about God in school. Yeah, you can talk about it. You can talk about the fact that people that follow Jesus believe that God created them. You can say that. You don't have to force kids to answer that on a test. The, the amount of fraud by scientists to try to prove Darwin's theory of evolution, it's amazing. There's books written about the amount of fraud where scientists contrived the connection between the species. Yet we continue to teach that as gospel truth in our schools. We continue to teach that we're going to destroy the planet. We're not going to destroy the planet. Planet, it's fine. It's going to be. You're going to die, and the planet is going to be here. You are not. You. The planet was prepared for you. If you're a human listening, even if you're a dog and a cat, the planet was prepared for us with all the needs. If you happen to be born on this planet which I suspect you did if you're alive, then it's amazing that the when you took in a breath, it was actually oxygen that could benefit you. If you drank something, it was actually water that, that uh, your system needed. If you ate anything, it was actually nourishment that your body needed. It's just amazing the coincidence of all that. But we teach kids that everything came about by an accident. All these things, how many things taught in school that are totally bunk 
Are is that an education to you? It's not an education to me. Some of the people we used to teach character classes in the public school. We used to go in twenty minutes a week in a particular class. Different people taught the same class: third grade, fourth grade, kindergarten, whatever. And we took a character character trait like attentiveness and talked about it. Talked about your mouth, your words that you use, things like that. Now they tell me it may be the end of our program, but we did it for like 20 years, right? Taught about 1,200 kids a year. Now they're having to sign these documents. They say that we have to uh, encourage crazy behavior, sexual. They're actually, you have to agree to these things that are actually perversions, that are evil. People in my, when I was in my teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, people would get arrested for this. And they're actually trying to get you to sign it to teach in the schools. My friend James Edwards, who moved out of California with his family, moved down, I don't even know where he lives, maybe Tennessee. He wrote, more than 300 hurricanes have made landfall along the U.S. Gulf and Atlantic coast since record-keeping began in 1851. But when was the last hurricane in California, he asked. In the same time amount of time, not a single hurricane landfall had been recorded along the U.S. west coast or left coast, as I call it, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. The last tropical storm landfall was in 1939. So we can create weather events now and then blame global warming, which is a lie, for it, we can blame global warming for it, which is really convenient. Unless whistleblowers come forward, there's no way to prove anything. All that you can do is observe the amazing coincidences happening around you. I just, uh, I don't know, I think I have an article here. I don't know whether I'll get to it. I always have too much to talk about. This is a funny one. Do you... You remember the movie Deliverance from many, many years ago and the banjo player, the really odd-looking boy, the banjo player? So there's a picture of him, and uh, sadly, our president looks kind of like him. When you put the pictures of the two guys together, it says, I always wondered what happened to the creepy banjo kid from the movie Deliverance. I guess I've wondered the same thing. I wonder if he could even play the banjo. You know, they can make it look like... Anybody can do anything on the movies. This person writes, climate emergency? Biden would be basically declaring himself a dictator. You know, the the liberals are trying to get Biden to declare that there's a national emergency involving the climate and therefore take over everything. Uh, John Holdren you may not remember John Holdren. He uh, was uh, the science czar for Barack Obama. I'm going to talk about him more in just a minute, but uh, we're running out of our time right now for our first segment. This is the first of six segments, so we have five left, and uh, we'll be right back. Before my baby, 
ridiculous. This is repulsive and appalling. Once we found out this memo out of the Richmond field office talking about how they need to assess the increasingly interest of racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, those are RMVEs, in, and this was the kicker, radical traditionalist Catholic, an ideology that presents opportunities for threat migration through exploration of new avenues for tripwire and source development. This was just an idea that, hey, maybe we should go uh, spy on Catholic churches. We know that that actually occurred in one instance, that there was actually an undercover agent placed inside a Catholic church. But what we were told by Christopher Ray, can we play the sound real quick? We were told by Christopher Ray and the FBI that this was horrible, but it was just Richmond. Your FBI wrote a memo talking about radical traditional Catholics. I'm just wondering if you could define it for us. Well, what I can tell you is you're referring to the Richmond product, which was a single product by a single field office, which as soon as I found out about it, I was aghast and ordered it withdrawn and removed from FBI systems. Yeah, aghast and removed. It wasn't just the Richmond office. The Richmond office man produced the memo. It was in coordination with the Los Angeles office and the Portland, Oregon office. By the way, the Los Angeles office is one of the top five offices in the country as far as size go. Richmond's not a small office either, I might add. That's number one. Number two, one document, well, we went to federal court because that's what we do at the ACLJ. So when you ask, how do you hold people accountable? You find out what's going on, then you take it to Capitol Hill. Pursuant to the court's July 17th order, the parties conferred and the FBI is represented to the plaintiff. That's us thus far. Ready for this, folks? It has identified 1,200 pages of potentially responsive documents to the targeting of Christians with zero probable cause, with zero evidence to go in, with no evidence of wrongdoing. When they try to play it down that as one bad memo in one field office, oh, it's Richmond, Virginia, and then they say it, and once they found out about it, they pulled out nothing ever happened. And we found out actually there was action taken on the memo, that there was at least one, at least one that we know yeah, of. Yeah, we know of. Uh, of an undercover agent put inside a Catholic church again on a basis of no evidence. I mean, think about this was just a theory about what that you just, they were just sitting around yeah. going, "Where else could violent extremists want to go?" Think about what you just said, though. You just said correctly. They put an agent in a Catholic church with no evidence yeah. at all of wrongdoing, zero. Just because of that, that church happened to be, in their view, radically traditionalist Catholic, which, by the way, is a term the FBI made up. Yep. That's not a that's not something we use. That's not a colloquial term used radically radical traditionalist Catholic. I and 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 again, I mean a, a lot of Catholics that listen to our broadcast support the ACLJ. I think you would fall under this category. If you were someone who takes your faith seriously, that's what they were identifying as a radical traditionalist Catholic. But we broadened out the search and said, well, well, if they're working with them, I mean, what about Christians? What about just using terminology like that? And you'd think if it was just Richmond, it wouldn't be 1,200 pages of documents, 1,200 pages of documents the FBI is going through right now that they will have to produce to the ACLJ because of this FOIA. Our whistleblowers have talked about this. The clients we represent, Agent O'Boyle, we represent him. Here's what he said. I was tasked from headquarters uh, to query one of my confidential human sources who who was a pro-life person and uh, ask them all sorts of questions about the Dobbs decision and, uh, you know, if there are people in the pro-life movement who are mobilizing uh, to be violent. And as this is happening, I'm thinking this is way out of bounds here. You know, this the, people who are, are pro-life 
they're they're not going to be trying to attack anyone, uh, certainly not a Supreme Court justice, because all the people who were picketing and protesting and rioting outside of Supreme Court justices' homes uh, weren't people who were pro-life. So uh, at that point, I was like, okay, this is an abuse of authority. This is a, a misuse of power. And and so I, I brought that to Congress, too. This is why we created the Life and Liberty Drive. The deep state is attacking our religious freedoms. That includes yours. They want to bully Christians into silence. That includes you. You are a vital part of this fight. We don't get to do this without you. We want you to be part of the Life and Liberty Drive to go to aclj.org. You'll see uh, that new information, that new logo right there on the Life and Liberty Drive to be part of uh, this campaign, to be part of, uh, again, supporting these whistleblowers, uh, getting this information and making sure we expose the wrongdoing, the targeting of Christians by the FBI. Go to aclj.org today and donate. This is the first time in the memory of all of the sheriffs in this state. So the sheriffs, there's only 58 of us in the state, and we come together for meetings every three months. The current governor, we're talking five years now, he's never met with us once. Every governor before him met with us every two months. This governor refuses. He has never met with us, ever. He has no desire to. They're making all of these public safety laws and changing laws that are on the books that concern public safety, closing down prisons, letting people out early. He has never consulted with the public safety experts, the ones that deal with it every single day. Never. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. You've tried to reach out to him. Absolutely. There's no clear reason why he doesn't. He's busy. That's the answer. Every governor in, in our history hasn't been that busy. But apparently, this thing has been called up. science czar for Barack Obama. And if you've never heard of John Holder, and if you look up the book written in the 1970s called Population Bomb, he was a little bit involved as a very young man and being mentored uh, by the, the, the couple that wrote it. And I always have a heart, Paul and Ann, I want to say Ulrich, but I don't think that's the right name. They wrote the population bomb and all these predictions of how the world was going to fall apart in the next 10 or 20 years. In fact, they said it was so imminent that people were going to have mass starvation and there was nothing really we could do about it. And uh, Haldeman was one of the was involved at that time. So he stuck around in the science world, yet everything he predicted he was a guy that said that we ought to put chemicals in the water to cause people to not be able to have a child to stop population. Remember, it's called the population bomb, which is baloney. The whole thing was baloney. But this guy uh, became famous. He's a Ph.D. like at Stanford or Berkeley or something like that. So I, I was just watched a video of this John Holdren talk about Chemtrails. You've, you've heard contrails, right? That's where the jet planes are. That's their afterburn. You see them flying overheaded somewhere, way high. But chemtrails, they purposely fly tankers back and forth over parts of the earth, dumping things out. 
What do they dump out? Well, they spray aluminum onto forests and then watch them burn while blaming global warming. They list all kinds of chemicals, minerals, and different types of things they spray into the atmosphere that are toxic to human beings. They say they just kill a million or so. The weirdos running the world right now, the the World Economic Forum weirdos, consider you just like equivalent to an animal. You can be purged. You can be thinned out. This person writes, the sheep believe the pandemic, so many of them will buy that nonsense, too, of global warming. Create a crisis. The government creates a crisis, and then they claim they can fix the crisis. They have the only solution, and it's going to cost you something. Same for mass shootings. Same for immigration. Same for riots, food scarcity, supply chain disruptions, and, of course, the homosexual agenda. All have been government promoted, sponsored, choreographed. I'm drinking some uh, ice water with lime in it. It's just, it's unbelievably good. And it's keeping me primed here to do this show. A guy named the architect says they have to get people they being the global cabal they have to get people out of rural areas to implement agenda 230 2030 if you don't know what that is just look up you can uh, do a, a, a search on the internet just put in agenda and the number 2030 or you could go to the united nations website and you can also um put that in as well 2030 so he says how do you think they will actually do this the get their agenda going fires and evacuations they want to get people to leave the rural areas you know that out of 58 counties in california the 10 counties that had the most the highest percentage of the population that has fled california or at least left those counties are they are the most rural counties where the timber industry, the mining industry, the cattle industry, sheep industry uh, flourished at one time, but the government has run them all off. It's being coordinated already, he said. Soon, anything outside of your 15-minute prison, that's what they call a 15-minute city, you won't need to go any farther than 15 minutes to get whatever you need. Soon anything outside of your 15-minute prison will be considered a forbidden zone. Can you imagine? During COVID in Vietnam, because I do work there, my friends there said as we were being quote-unquote locked down, although the sheriffs did not would not cooperate with the county health official, in, in Vietnam, being communist, they ran... Uh, razor wire across the streets in barricades blocking people from driving and you could not leave Saigon which is like 10 to 12 million people people began to try to leave because there was nothing to eat they couldn't go to the store 
And so finally, people, since they ride a lot of motorbikes, they could avoid some of the blockades and they they kind of crashed the blockade of getting out of town because they wanted to return to where they were born in the villages because there you could grow some food and raise some food like hogs, chickens, etc., goats, and raise food on the, on the land there because it's a great climate to grow food. So we there's all kinds of talk about having another lockdown. Isn't that interesting? Many of you ready for it? You ready to go for it? Some of you are just so compliant and became Nazis as, as turning your friends in. Some turned our church in. We we uh, I attend a church in Yuba City. Some turned the church in. People that go to the church turned the church in because <laughs> we wouldn't close down. They called the police. Hey, go arrest them. You know, it's interesting to me right now they're talking about uh, punishing Trump for questioning and not accepting the stolen election. Do you remember? How's your memory? Do you remember Al Gore running against George Bush? You remember he was applauded for questioning the 2000 election. Remember the hanging chads and all that? And it went all the way to the Supreme Court. You remember that? We had all kinds of attorneys. We had the courts actually taking it in as a hearing. Remember, they rejected Trump's evidence of wrongdoing. But he was applauded by the Democrats. Stacey Abrams, the black woman who has been trying to run and win the governorship down there in uh, Georgia, she was applauded for claiming that the Georgia election was rigged. Hillary Clinton was applauded for questioning the 2016 election. But when Trump questioned the 2020 election, they've now repeatedly arrested him for various crimes. You seeing it? Are you getting it yet? My friend Tom McWhorter sent me this. He said Democrats, he listed 10 things that they've done. They created the Indian Removal Act of 1830. They supported slavery and started the Civil War. They founded the KKK. They held the whip in lynchings. They segregated bathrooms, lunch counters, schools, water fountains, and workplaces. They created Planned Parenthood to cull the black population or thin the black population. They actually called it the Negro Project. During World War II, they set up the Japanese internment camps. They started Antifa. They erected Confederate statues and then later tore them back down. Then they said, oh, well, actually, uh, it's, it's the Republicans that did all that. No, it, it's, they've been using that propaganda for years, and anybody... Probably a fifth grade kid could do that studying to uh, to sort this out. Have you heard the the uh, the song by the Eagles? It's called "The Last Resort." I listened to it because th- there was people pointing it out that it talked about the tragedies in the town of area of Malibu, California 
which is a major burned area. Paradise, California, which is just 30 minutes from here, and La Haina, which is uh, part of Maui. It says, interesting lyrics in the song by the Eagles called The Last Resort. Coincidentally, three cities are mentioned in the song that were all destroyed by Do, direct energy warfare, or direct energy weapon. You see those shots on some videos of of a beam of light coming from the heavens and striking the earth and creating major explosions. It mentions Malibu, Paradise, Lahaina, and all three fires were started on the same day of the month. Does that does that surprise you? Out of we have 30 31 days in every month. All three fires started on the 8th of a month. And two of them on the very same day, month, and year. Two of them lined up perfectly. The Paradise Fire occurred on the exact day as the Malibu Wolsey fires in Southern California. Don't you think that's very odd? Does anything seem odd to you or you think everything that you hear is conspiracy? Why don't you look at something up and do some homework? On November 8, 2018, both the Malibu Wolsey Fire and the Paradise, we call it the Camp Fire, started at the same day, same month, same year. Think that's a coincidence? Just a fluke? And now the Maui Fire occurred on August 8th, not November 8th, but August 8th, 2023. Not mentioned, the song was the city of Santa Rosa, which stands for Satan's Rose, but it also occurred on the eighth day of October. Does that surprise you? Isn't it interesting? Out of all the 31 days of the month, 30, 31, the eighth day, my, I have a friend I went to high school with, two of his grandkids burned to death, toddlers. I'm not toddlers, but like... Uh, Middle schoolers burned to death in the neighborhood. All on the eighth day. Four fires all on the eighth day of a month. Also is a book written by Jamie Lee in which he brings to light that John Milton, the author of the classic novel called Paradise Lost, died on November 8th. I'm telling you people, the people that think these research this and come up with this and see the connections. I, I'm just, I admire them. I don't think they're crazy. I admire them. Kevin Kiley writes in his blog, uh, Joe Biden is vacationing for the week along with Hunter at Lake Tahoe. Where? At the home of billionaire Tom Steyer. I didn't know this. I know some some uh, information about Steyer. Steyer is the single largest Democrat political donor in U.S. history. I did not know that. In April 2020, shortly after his presidential campaign fizzled, Steyer was tapped by Newsom to head California's COVID Economic Recovery Commission. That was a loser. We all know how that went. 
But while he's in the area, I'm uh, he said, I'm inviting Biden to drive to the California side of the lake and down to the scene of called the Calder fire, specifically the town of Grizzly Flats, where 785 of my constituents tragically lost their homes. People are losing their homes in California, not because that a fire started. It's because that nobody maintained the forests. If you let if you let dry weeds grow up around your property, around your house, three feet high, and let things fall down there and all kinds of fuel for fire to burn, if somebody throws a cigarette in those weeds, it's going to burn your house down. That's exactly what California did and the feds did to California. The thatch in the bottom of the of the forest was deep, several feet deep. Trees were never thinned out. Dead trees just stood there. So when a fire started, it went crazy. If you ever think that the liberals are really concerned about the animals, the reptiles, the snakes, the bugs, the birds, when one of those fires starts, they vaporize. They don't have to, like, catch on fire. They vaporize millions and billions of them the flora and fauna is destroyed i thought we were worried i thought they were the environmentalists were always worried about the environment there's something else going on here folks pay attention biden pledged to help the, the people in grizzly flats they didn't do jack diddly kylie is asking for an official oversight hearing at the federal level on the Chinese biolab operating secretly in California. How does that happen, folks? Why, why is the government more and more not wanting the public to know about anything that they do? Everything is done behind, not everything, but lots is done behind closed doors. Secret sessions, violating the Brown Act. They don't inform people of dangerous situations in their midst. The biolab operated secretly in California, which was kept from the public for nine months after its discovery. Did you know they were kicked out of Canada, this biolab? And then they tried, set up in Texas and they were kicked out of Texas. And then they set up in Fresno and they caught fire in Fresno. And then they moved over to Reedley. All kinds of corruption, folks. All kinds of corruption. And uh, people are blaming the Chinese, but really I think you're going to find that Fauci is connected to it. All right, I want to mention, if you have some hand tools, automated tools like electric tools, battery-operated tools, mowers, you know, grinders, skill saws, all kinds of those type of things. Chainsaws, small tractors, compressors, water blasters, things like that. If they start to get a bug in them or they start to not work like they used to, if you take them over to All Power Services at 1469 Stewart Road in Yuba City, right off Highway 99, Will Fanning and Josh James and crew will fix them. 
and give them back to you just like they were when they were brand new. You can call ahead if you like, 530-844-0347, or you can text that same number. It's a cell number, 530-844-0347, or you can email allpower1469 at gmail.com. Give them a call. Take them over there. It's right easy to get to right off Highway 99. It's a couple blocks off Highway 99 going west towards the Buttes. And they will take care of you. Also, if you have a problem with your auto, the body of your car, Alan's Auto Body will fix it. The Clark family over there, parents and sons, run that operation at the corner of Tea Garden and Sutter. It's a bright yellow building. You can reach out to them at 530-671-1057. That's a landline, 671-1057. That's right on Faces Sutter Street, but it's also right on the corner of Sutter and Tea Garden, right there between the two bridges, the 5th and 10th Street bridges. We call them around this area. So if you have any problem, if you need it, maybe you needed a paint job, maybe you got some rust started, maybe you need to replace a couple things on that, on that, uh, that are broken inside your car. Maybe a seat has broken. Seat belts aren't working right. They'll fix it. Why have things broken? I like to have things working. So I just want to mention those two that uh, help us here. Keep keep on moving on. And uh, we're getting close to our second end of our second uh, phase and I'm just kind of scrolling around here, seeing where I want to go. So we got a few minutes left. And uh, so I'm going to land the plane here for this segment. And then uh, I want to tell you about a meeting that's coming up up in Shasta County. When we get back, there's a guy named Clint Curtis. Never heard of him until um, my friend Alan Reinhardt sent me this advertisement. And I'm going to cover it for you because I think it's going to surprise you when I talk about it right in a couple minutes here. Listen to the clips we have and we'll be right back. electronic voting machines what to do. Mr. Curtis, would you please state your full name for the record? My uh, name is Clinton Eugene Curtis. In December 2004, a group of Congress members met to gather information about the technology used in the November election. One witness was Clint Curtis, a computer programmer, who testified about being asked to create vote-switching software. Mr. Curtis, are there programs that can be used to secretly fix elections? Yes. How do you know that to be the case? 
because in October of 2000, I wrote a prototype for Congressman Tom Feeney. It would rig an election? It would flip the vote 51-49. And he was very specific on what he wanted. He wanted it to be touchscreen capable, which if you write it in Windows, it's XY coordinates, it's mouse movements, it's, it's done, no problem. He wanted it to be so you didn't have to have any third-party implements. You didn't have to sit across the street with a keyboard. You didn't have to bring something in, a little chip, and insert it in the computer, nothing. He wanted it so you could go to the screen, hit some hidden buttons, and flip the vote and decide who the winner is just by doing that. Who did you say you were asked to prepare? I was asked by Tom Feeney. At that time, he was Speaker of the House of Florida. And he asked you to design a code to rig an election? Yes. While he was Speaker of the Florida House? Yes. He wanted the source code so that you, when the manipulation happened, you couldn't see it even if you saw the source code. This is to control the vote in South Florida. So I told Rena, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. You know, that'll get you in trouble. And so, you know, with the bulk of finding out how dishonest Feeney and this company was, it was time for me to leave. So I quit and moved on. I've been told that people who assume that a large fraction of the election result may have been affected by uh, deliberate fraud in the computer are paranoid because they, in order to do that, you have to have access to thousands of machines. To what extent is that true? It depends on the technology you use. If you did a central tabulation machine that fed in, all you'd have to do is set a flag. So one person putting in bad code in a central tabulation machine could affect thousands and thousands or tens of thousands of votes. Right. And your testimony is under oath. Yes, sir. And the testimony you've given is true. Yes, sir. Thank you. Soon after he testified, Clint Curtis passed a lie detector test administered by the retired chief polygraph operator for the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. When the voting was over in 2004, one man found himself at the wrong end of a smoking gun. Mr. Curtis, are there programs that can be used to secretly fix elections? Yes. How do you know that to be the case? Because in October of 2000, I wrote a prototype for Congressman Tom Feeney at the company I worked for in Oviedo, Florida that did just that. It would rig an election? It would flip the vote 51-49. Certainly you go to the police. Somebody has just told so you. So then I go through the books. I have to have some sort of evidence because otherwise... What books do you go through? What are you talking about? Well, since I worked in the same department where the billing had come in, okay. I started looking through the contract, and they had been overbilling for me for years. And they were billing like 40 hours a week for forever. Were you working 40 hours a week on no, the Yang contract? Not at all, not even close. Working on the NASA contracts and the ExxonMobil contracts. And, but and you were working 40-hour weeks, essentially? Mm-hmm. And all of that time was being billed to Yang, even though you were not doing all your right. work for FDOT? They even billed for a couple of days after I had left them and was working at FDOT. So I told Mavis George Alice, and she said, well, we need to go to the Attorney General's office. You and Mavis George Alice together? Yes. She went up with me and told the story, and I told my part of it. And the Inspector General was who? Ray Lemmy. What complaints were made with Raymond Lemmy? Improper invoicing on the part of Yang Enterprises. Improper political influence. Because of Coming Tom. down from... 
Tom Feeney, I see. Uh, through my immediate supervisor, Nelson Hill, on behalf of Yang Enterprises, and the use by Yang Enterprises of unauthorized alien labor. I tell him everything that went on at Yang's. You tell him about the vote rigging software? Yes. You sure? Yes. In their report, it looks like you complained about the things that had to do with FDOT specifically. Well, that's the things that he could touch on. Ah. And all the other stuff he was supposed to pass on to, like the NASA stuff, he was right. going to pass to NASA and, you know. What was he going to do with the vote rigging stuff? He was supposed to pass it out, I guess, to where it goes. They claim that you didn't tell them. Seems odd, doesn't it? Instead of investigating this company, instead of putting, a, putting the brakes on what's going on, they're actually writing letters of recommendation for that company, Correct. Yang, Correct. and saying that you're removed. Correct. Tom Feeney's fingerprints are all over this thing? Yes. yes. Literal fingerprints. Literal fingerprints. I mean, read the public record. Read the public record. I don't want anyone to take my word for anything, Brad. Get the documents and read the record. And when you read a memo from Nelson Hill's secretary to him, stating that Mr. Feeney wants this letter signed today and this letter is a recommendation for Yang Enterprises and the following day after Mr. Hill executes this letter of recommendation he is suddenly promoted to deputy CIO for the state technology office and Lemmy shows up Raymond Lemmy just comes in sometime and he's staring at me over the top of these little you know potato chip type holder. I walked over and said, can I help you? And he said, no, I'm just shopping. And then he leaves. Okay. And then he comes in again, tells me that he's been working on the case on the side. He's looking into this on his own now? On his own. For fun? I don't know. Why? What's he going to do with this information if he can't, if he's not doing it? In I guess if he gets enough of it, he thinks he can pop it somewhere. I don't know. So he keeps coming in and asking me questions about boat rigging and spies. And I don't know necessarily what he wants. So I just answer whatever he asks. This was a big case that he was making headway on. It wasn't an official case because officially DOT was going to do nothing because Feeney wouldn't let him do anything. So I give him information but he didn't give a lot back. Was he a friend of yours by that point? Not really. I liked the fact that he was actually working on it right. but I didn't necessarily know how much he was working on it and how much he was working on me. And what does he say? He's got it all ready to bundle up. He's going to pop the news in a couple of weeks, and I'll just be thrilled with the results. And I said, you know, you better tell somebody. You better tell someone? Why? And these people were not nice. Clint indicated to me that Ray Lemmy had told him that it was much bigger, that what he was investigating was much bigger and went higher. Clint said this to you? Yes, Clint said that to me. When he said all the way to the top, who did you think he was... Who, who was the top? I was thinking Bush. I didn't know whether it was just Jeb Bush or whether it went farther than that. From Feeney's conversation, he thought he was right with Bush. F Feeney said that he was yes. right with Bush. Right. Both George and Jeb, so. Lemmy says to you, this corruption goes all the way to the top. Right. And all I have to do is wait a couple of weeks and I'll be thrilled with the results. So you waited a couple of weeks. And he turned up dead in a Georgia motel room. Why he was investigating was much bigger. When he said all the way to the top, who did you think he was? I was thinking, but... I 
first thought was they killed him. How did you feel about that? Guilty. You felt guilty? Yeah. If I hadn't brought it to him, then he wouldn't have gotten involved. What was they the don't cause have, of death? They said suicide, but they don't do autopsies in Georgia. If they, he died in Florida, it's an automatic autopsy. You mean if, he, if, if a suicide occurred in Florida, it would be an automatic autopsy? Automatic but autopsy. A suicide in Georgia, not mandatory? Not mandatory. It right. would have had to have occurred had he been killed in, not been killed. Well, my speculation is he offended somebody and he got killed. You feel he got killed? Yes. Um, because the hotel he was at is this real secluded, you know, tree lines on both sides. It's a little shabby $23 a night hotel. You know, if you wanted to kill yourself, why not stop somewhere in Florida? He was working out of Tallahassee, Florida. He was right? working out of Tallahassee. So he you were in Tallahassee at the right. time. Then there's Valdosta, which is just... Hour like and a half away. Hour and a half away, sort of a border town in Georgia. Yeah, it's up a ways. There are a lot of hotels he could have stopped at at Georgia prior to getting to Valdosta. The whole thing's just wrong. There's a report that he called into DOT at 6.45 in the morning, and yet they have him killing himself 38 minutes later, even though it's another hour to get to Valdosta. Supposedly he's in the motel room one night, right. but there's two receipts. In the police report, it says one is a check-in receipt, the other is a check-out receipt. If he killed himself, he didn't check out. Well, have you not checked into a motel room where they charge you up front? In other words, they check you in and check you out at the same time? On different days? I don't think they do that. Yeah, there's another problem with that. The first receipt is dated June 29, 2003. He was in Tallahassee June 29, 2003. He didn't kiss his wife goodbye, as she says, until June 30th, 2003, 6.15 Who's in the room on June 29th? In the hotel room, they found a blank what is that, legal pad okay. and an empty file folder. And every time he'd come talk to me, he'd have his little yellow pad and his little file folder full of papers. Are you suggesting that... The papers are gone, yes. And you're suggesting that somebody took those papers. Would you take a legal pad and a uh, manila folder to a suicide? Maybe he wanted to have a... a, a just write a suicide note. Oh, the note's weird, too, because he didn't talk about his daughter. And the daughter was just about to be married. And he mentioned his wife. Right. By name. He has one child, a daughter. Daughter. He does not mention her. Does not mention her. But every time we talked at the dollar store, part of the conversation was, you know, how's your daughter? She's doing good. She's getting married, you know. Doesn't mention her in his suicide note. Mentions his wife. Did he sign his suicide note? Didn't sign it. He put a time on it. The police say they took photographs, but due to the, a failure in the camera's flash memory, mm -hmm. there would be no photographs. Right. We've recently seen that there are, in fact, photographs. That conflict the police report. That do conflict the police report. The Valdosta police report alleged there was no blood on the towel and no visible trauma to the body. The photographs of Raymond Lemming seem to suggest otherwise. And Valdosta police have confirmed that these photographs are real. And that due to interest on the internet in December of 2004, they reopened the case of Raymond Lemmy. Also around that time, they spoke with someone at the Florida Department of Transportation, and that they closed the case shortly thereafter. 
Now, they won't tell me who it is they talked to at the Florida Department of Transportation. Uh, they told me over and over and over that they were not stonewalling me. And then they didn't call me back ever again. Diebold was asking legal advice about having secretly installed uncertified software on voting machines to be used in the 2004 California election. It was a clear violation of the law. No one in America, in the press, was covering this issue. So I thought if I send all these documents to some reporter who doesn't know anything about the issue, they're likely to end up in the trash can. I knew I had to get them to somebody who had the press connections and the government connections to do something with these documents, and that obviously was Bev Harris of Black Box Voting. There's nothing worse than bootloader hack. And Honestly, I haven't seen these kind of things to happen in 20 years. This you can do, you've confirmed this, this is, on, on the Diebold uh, touchscreen TSX machine. This is confirmed by me and proof of concept was written by Princeton University, so you have independent verification for my finding. In 2006, a Princeton University professor and two graduate students confirmed what Harry Hursty had already proven. They posted their demonstration on YouTube hacking the Diebold touchscreen machine in less than one minute's time. They inserted a vote-flipping virus that changed vote tallies, would spread to other machines, and flip an election without leaving a trace. People get offended. They come up to me after the show and think, oh, I didn't like how you talked about the hunting and killing and eating of animals. See, I believe we share this planet with the animals as our brothers and sisters. <laughs> we're equal as brothers and sisters. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> I grew up on a farm. We raised pigs. Pigs were not my brothers. <laughs> my brothers were pigs. <laughs> but it didn't go the other way around. So, my friend, recently we had Dr. Doug Frank, who's a physicist. He's been put up for the Nobel Prize. He's done all kinds of amazing inventions. He's a brainiac. He, has, he thinks thoughts that the average person doesn't think. And he knows how they stole the election. And, and he... Uh, can show how any election counting machine, any ballot counting machine, can be manipulated from outside the machine. And that the machine is connected to the internet, even though foolish. I don't, I'm not disrespecting county clerks or election supervisors. I'm just saying they don't know what they're talking about, just like I don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about computers. I just know how to use them somewhat. But I cannot tell you the, how the guts of the device and how things are put together and what it can do and can't do and how it connects to the end. I don't understand that, but I still use it. I believe that is the case with many, many 
county clerks. We have 58 of them in California. And you have them in your counties. And they they made all kinds of claims like, oh, the machines have been checked out by Homeland Security. Oh, the machines have been checked out by the Secretary of State. Doesn't mean a thing. If those people are net, not tech savvy, and I'm talking about really good, uh, no, for, I'll give you an example. Uh, Doug Frank has been in 800 different counties of over 3,000 counties. He's been 800 of them. And no county clerk has allowed him to bring his device in, which is like the size of your telephone, your handheld smartphone. It's that size. He can actually walk up next to the machine, not touch the machine, not hook anything to the machine, and with the device reveal whether that machine is capable to connect to the, to the Internet. Most county clerks have started before we had all this technology, and technology has passed them by, just like it's passed me by. And the only way to have a a real honest election where you know that your vote's going to mean something and you know that people aren't going to have fraudulent votes or steal a vote is to go back to paper ballots. And there's a lot of misconceptions about them. Some people say, we can't go back. There's too many of us now. We can't, we'll never be able to count them. No, we'll count them on the same day. Why do, why are we waiting two weeks to get a final count from, from these county clerks when we have all this, these amazing computers? The fact is we can do a faster, more accurate job without any stealing of our local elections. We can control our local elections. Maybe we can't control. We could control our count for the statewide elections and federal elections. We know what Yuba and Sutter did, but they can steal it in other counties, granted. But at least we know what we're doing locally. Now, there's a guy that's going to, not Doug Frank, he's already been up there, and he helps Shasta County turn their election system around. And some of the government officials that had vested interest in that government system quit over it. And the supervisors voted to go back to paper ballots. So on August 31st, there's going to be a town hall meeting at the holiday Inn at 1900 to Hilltop. And a guy named Clint Curtis is going to, speak there and Clint's been speaking around the country. He is a computer guy, software guy, and he was working for Yang Industries down in Florida when the speaker of the house or the speaker of the assembly in Florida came to him. He's a a Republican and asked him to develop software to flip the votes where if I voted for, Jones, they could flip the vote to Smith. They could do that in, with software, and, and he said he wanted to make it untraceable. He recruited Clint Curtis because Clint Curtis's business, where he worked, he just worked there, they, had the, they were working on technology with big government contracts for the state and the federal government, including Nassau and the Department of Transportation and all those kind of things. So they knew that Clint Curtis had real big skills. And he said, can you create a a machine uh, 
that would flip votes. And Clinch said, yeah, I can. Not a problem. But he began to think about it, and he decided, I don't want to be involved in this. And he left the company, and he went to work for the Department of Transportation, and he began to see corruption between uh, uh, business contracts between, like, Yang Enterprises or Yang Industries and the Department of Transportation, where they're ripping off the public, and he began to be a whistleblower. And his boss at the Department of Transportation saw how they were getting ripped off by private companies overbilling them, and they blew the whistle. And when the inspector general of the state got involved, he turned up murdered. But before he turned up murdered in a hotel across the line in Georgia, he told Clint Curtis, that uh, who was now out of computers, he kept visiting him at his workplace and said that he was still working on the case and that the rot, the corruption, went all the way to the top. At that time, the top of Florida was a guy named Jeb Bush, and it also involved his brother, George Bush, who was the president of the United States and once was Texas governor. But within days before he was to reveal this information, he was found uh, dead in a hotel room, and they claimed that he killed himself. Not many guys cut themselves up. That's usually a woman's thing where they slit their wrist. Found him in a bathtub full of blood, uh, and he cut himself a lot. But there was odd things about it, but just like a lot of the body count around the Clintons, nobody seemed to uh, pursue it very hard. But Clint Curtis is going to be speaking about ballot, how to, how to have a, how to, you know, it, here's the deal, folks. Like Doug Frank said at our meeting here a few weeks ago, he said, if we lose the ballot box, you have no liberty. I talked to my friends in Vietnam. I said, do you guys actually have a, do you actually do voting over there? He said, Lou, not many people do it because he said it's, it's all, they, the, the government makes the decision on who's going to run the government. And uh, the vote does not make any difference. So people just don't participate. That's what's happening in America. It's only going to be a few years and people that can vote will just say, nah, doesn't make any difference. The steel is in. The fix is in. And the fix is in on the machines. The machines got to go everywhere. There are no machines that can be foolproof. I read the news release that Dominion machines, which you've been Sutter County have, and, and a lot of the counties in California have. I saw the news release. It was a two-page news release. It was a massive news release during the steel. I knew they were lying just reading it. It was just written too obvious. These guys are liars. There are no machines that can protect the vote. Anybody can hack them. Your high school student could hack them. So Clint Curtis is going to speak up there. If you have any interest, it's free. And uh, says, come hear his story and, uh, and observe 
hand counting by action. They're going to show you how you can speedily hand count ballots. You know, it's interesting. County clerks, their knee-jerk reaction. Oh, it's going to be so expensive to hire all these people. Just ask your county clerk or your board of supervisors how much those machines cost and the maintenance on those machines. We're talking about millions of dollars, millions. You don't think we can count your little county? That's all we're talking about. We're talking about each county putting out millions of dollars on these machines. It's ridiculous, people. We have a right to do paper ballots the, and hand count them. The governor of the state and the supermajority of the state of California does not want it. They, it's only for one reason. They want to steal the election. They're stealing the elections. So, and it's been going on for years. They say the machines first started coming in in early 2000, maybe around 2000, 2001, 1999. And they've been stealing crazy. Did they steal elections before that? Yeah. They just simply, they just printed up fake ballots and put people's names on them and stuffed the boxes, just like they did here. Please go and watch 2,000 Mules. Doug Frank says 2,000 Mules reveals lots of people that got paid money to do illegal things, but the, the steal happened way above them with big, big dogs. And when you have the Speaker of the House or the Assembly in Florida pushing to flip the votes to protect his seat, he was, I studied him. I don't have a, a write-up on him on the, my computer tonight, but uh, I think his name was McFeeney or Feeney. You can look him up. He was regarded, he eventually got in the House of Representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives, and was considered one of the most corrupt politicians in all of his era. Makes sense, huh? So Clint Curtis is going to speak if you want to go listen to him on August 31. And uh, let's see, what time is that? Is it a 6 o'clock gig? I can't. Yeah, 6 o'clock, 1900 Hilltop at the Hilltop Inn. They probably have a little conference center there. And uh, they're going to have a town hall meeting. So there's probably going to be a lot of speakers. And Clint Curtis is going to be the special speaker. So I encourage you to go up there if you're serious about it. I'm really interested in seeing if we can uh, change the Yuba Sutter into paper ballot voting. Where you go and show your ID, sign the book, just like we used to. Prove who you are, sign the book that, that that's you, so they have your copy of your signature, and then vote. Boom. And only reserve absentee ballots for people that literally are going to be absent. Just can't do it just because it's convenient. All right, let me just take get back to my lime drink. Man, it's hot tonight. You know, I, I, I was talking to uh, the chaplain at the Yuba County Sheriff's Department, and he has a church he runs, plus he runs a Christian school. It's out on Northville Road called Bible. Well, I don't know what the school's called, but the church is called Bible Baptist. They got a nice school out there. My friend 
has her boys out there, and she thinks it's really great. The kids are thriving. They weren't thriving in the government school, so she pulled them, took them out there. So I asked him the other day, I was having coffee with him, and I asked him, I said, hey, do you have a room in your school? Do you have seats? Or are you full? He said, oh, we, we have room. It's interesting to me with all the trouble in our schools and corruption in our schools and perversion in our schools that more people aren't leaving the schools. So I want to encourage you to uh, move your kids from the public schools and either go into private private schools. You could set up and you could go to uh, homeschool. And if you need help with that, you can go to uh, churchofgladtidings.com, put your cursor on ministries, and then a drop-down will happen, and you'll see uh, Arrow Education. And Arrow Education is a collaborative of parents who are all homeschooling their kids. And once a week, they meet out at the campus of Glad Tidings, and they utilize a the facilities out there to get together and have face-to-face, have a meal together, have some fun together, have some athletics together, hear a speaker, and share curriculums and ideas and best practices so they can do a great job with their kids. That doesn't cost anything. So you can homeschool just by buying curriculum and then paying to go on field trips and all that kind of stuff. A lot of my friends have homeschooled, and the kids are brilliant, as Phallus Rani would like to say. They're brilliant. So that's one way to do it, and uh, there's also Epic Embassy Private Educational Center. I don't know what the name of the school is, like I say, out at Bible Baptist, but if you go out on North Bill Road or do a search, you'll get a number out there, and you can enroll your kids out there. Or Epic, E-P-E-C, Embassy Private Educational Center, they started, and they couldn't find a place to meet. So uh, they're meeting right now out at Church of Glad Tidings, and some of the educational buildings, they brought in some modulars out there. And um, they also have room, and they, they expanded this year to take in preschoolers, and they, they've always gone from K through 12. So they got a really good people. Now, here's the deal about both these schools. About I, I can speak for Bible Baptist and Embassy. They're not going to go for any mandates. So I can speak for embassy. I'm very confident in the leadership there. They're not going to close down regardless of what the government wants. They're not going to wear masks. They're not going to uh, sit six feet apart. They're not going to do a PCR test. Uh, They're not going to do it's normal, normal life pre-COVID. So you can go on the Church of Glad Tidings website and go over to ministries you'll just put your cursor over there it'll have a drop down and click on epic and you can learn about the school and you could send a message you could call off that spot there or you could uh, send some information about your child and enroll them or you could go do a face-to-face so that's at uh, church of glad tidings campus at 1179 eager road in yuba city or it's north of yuba city between yuba city and live oak in Sutter County. It's right off the Highway 99 freeway. So a lot of times people call me, they say, Lou, I need it. I need some legal help. I need an attorney. I said, what happened? And they'll tell me, I said, oh, you don't need an attorney. You just need some legal help. So I refer a lot of people to North Valley Paralegal because they've helped me. And I'm close friends with the owner, Yanelli Garcia. 
and they're located in Yuba City. If you have any kind of legal need, maybe you need to make a will, you need to change a will, you need to get a power of attorney, you need to change somebody's name, maybe you need to change your name. Uh, you just need to have some paperwork filed for you. Don't know how to do it. Maybe you need a guardianship done. North Valley Paralegal is located at 1110 Civic Center Boulevard, Suite 202A. That's right off Highway 20 in Yuba City. It's about 100 yards off Highway 20 on Civic Center Boulevard, right across from the Sutter County Sheriff's Department. And uh, you could call them and make an appointment if you wish at 530-751-9289, 530-751-9289. And they will, uh, they will treat you right, and it will be a lot less expensive than attorneys, and you're, they just treat you better. Attorneys kind of get high and mighty. They get really expensive. Somebody told me the other day somebody was getting $300 an hour. I thought, whoa, baby. Man, that doesn't take long. You spend all your money over there. So also I wanted to uh, mention Thrifty Rooter. Um, if you have a plumbing need anywhere out there in Northern California almost, although not, you know, Northern California I think of as about 18 counties up here, maybe 20 counties, but certainly five counties uh, Thrifty Rooter's involved in, Butte, Calusa, Nevada, a little bit in Placer County in the city of Lincoln and all of Yuba Sutter. They, the nice thing about them is they do urban plumbing and they do rural plumbing out there where you got septic tanks and all kinds of stuff going on. They know how to do it all, and they have all the equipment to deal with any kind of controversy. You could text them right off their website. You can check off the things that you need. You can send in a request from the website, thriftyrooter.net. Or you could dial their landline at 530-673-8201, 673-8201, and they will be on it. they got lots of workers, and they can get the job done for you. We're going to take a break uh, here, and I'm going to share some clips with you, and then we're going to start the second half of the show. We have three more segments, so uh, hang tight. This land of ours is under attack. Time's come, we're gonna take it back. Just wait and see. Don't tread on me. I won't sit back, stand idly by. Watch the heart of my nation die. Oh, not me. Don't tread on me. Don't tread on my bottle, don't tread on my guns. Don't you tread on my faith in God's only son. Anyone else find this weird? So the Maui fire started on August 8th. Yet there's a book about it already. Even in the description of the book, the book chronicles the events from August 8th to August 11th of 2023, the Maui fires. But the publication of the book was August 10th. So how did you chronicle the events of August 11th when the book was published on August 10th? Do we need to read the book to find out what the ending of these Maui fires are? The news broke four days ago on the 24th of July. The personal chef of former U.S. President Barack Obama was found dead. His name was Tafari Campbell. He was 45 years old. On the 24th of July, Tafari was fished out of the Edgerton Great Pond near the Obama residence in Massachusetts. The police said that Campbell died while paddleboarding. Four days on, several uncomfortable questions have sprung up around Campbell's death. Was it an accident or did something sinister happen? 
Social media is filled with theories, including the claim that Campbell was secretly writing a tell-all book on the Obamas. The police have denied any foul play. But do they need to dig deeper? Let's first tell you a little about the man who died, Tafari Campbell. He is a familiar face in America, especially among those documenting the lives of American presidents. Campbell was a chef at the White House during the Obama administration. He shot to fame in the year 2012 when he helped brew the first batch of alcohol on White House grounds. In 2012, Campbell brewed ale using honey from the beehive set up by Michelle Obama on the South Lawn of the White House. Obama's term ended in 2016. Before leaving the White House, the Obamas asked Campbell to join the family as their personal chef. He agreed. Campbell has been working for the famous family ever since. He has also appeared in numerous videos and photos with them. It won't be so wrong to say that Campbell was popular in his own way. Which is why it becomes really strange that the cops reportedly did not take down some very important details of the crucial 911 call that was made about Campbell's drowning. It all happened on Sunday. The other 911 calls made to Edgartown Police Department that day have all been logged into the system along with very specific reasons for the calls. Except this particular call that was made a little before 8 p.m. on Sunday night. That evening, Campbell went out paddleboarding. Reports say he was not alone. Campbell had company. But who that was, the cops won't tell us. Around 7.46 p.m. that evening, the police received a 911 call. They were told a man was drowning. It was Obama's chef. Who made that call? Another unnamed person. The cops say the person who accompanied Campbell tried to help him out of the water, but he couldn't. So the fellow paddleboarder swam to the shore, told another person about what had happened, and this person, the second one, called the cops. Reports further say that a female was on the line. The emergency services then rushed to the Obama's ultra-luxurious waterside estate. This one. The family bought this seven-bedroom house in 2020 for $11.75 million. It's, it happens to be on Martha's Vineyard. It is a 150-square-kilometer island where America's elite holiday. Initial reports said that there wasn't any word on the whereabouts of the Obamas at the time of this incident. Now we are told that they were very much on the island, just not in their house at the time that Campbell drowned. After the SOS call was made, the emergency services came to the estate with divers and sonar boats. A search party was deployed. But they couldn't find Campbell that night. A neighbor, thought, a neighbor though, found Campbell's paddleboard, but his body would only be discovered the next morning. Campbell was found 100 feet from the shore in around 8 feet of water, and more than 12 hours after, he fell into the water. The police say that the chef was not wearing a personal floating device, also, he was not leashed to the paddleboard when he fell into the water. Reports say the water was calm that evening. So what led to the incident? The accident. The police say that there is nothing suspicious about Campbell's death. He fell into the water and drowned. Simple. Except, netizens won't buy this theory. Many on social media are having a hard time digesting this news. They say that the story isn't all that black and white. They're asking several questions, the most important one being, why did the police not take down the reason for the 911 call made that evening? All the other calls reportedly were logged along with the reason, except this one. Some conspiracy theorists are also pointing at Campbell's Instagram. It has videos of the chef swimming. 
So the obvious question being asked is, how could the chef possibly drown when he knew how to swim? There are some who say drowning in shallow waters does not seem to add up. In fact, look at what a Trump administration official, Monica Crowley, tweeted. I'm quoting. This whole drowning in eight feet of water in a private pond on the Obama estate story is shady. Look at this reply now. All these drowning chef stories seem off. This is whom he's referring to, Walter Shabe. He too used to be a White House chef. In 2005, then President George W. Bush fired him. He was found dead some days later. No one really knows what happened to Shabe. Back then, the cops said that he had also drowned. Of course, there isn't much that's common between Shape's case and Campbell's, except they were both White House chefs and both drowned. But you see, conspiracy theorists thrive on these little coincidences. The chatter on the internet is this, that White House chefs or personal chefs or former presidents know too much because of how closely they work with these VIPs. So is there something that Campbell also knew? Now, just for the record, we are not in any which way hinting at anything sinister. We are only pointing at the fact that there is a lot of noise around Campbell's death. Is it because the U.S. is in the middle of a political season? Or is it because Obama has always been a favorite in conspiracy circles? The former president has been the subject of many conspiracy theories. Some allege that Obama's birth certificate is fake or that he was really born in Kenya. There's no doubt that Campbell's death has triggered the same group, but the fact that a lot remains unanswered in this case is only adding fuel to the fire. Some netizens have claimed that Campbell was writing a tell-all book on the Obamas. No one close to Campbell or the Obamas have addressed this speculation yet. And the police are mum. Beyond World is One is now available in your country. Download the app now and get all the news updates on the move. agenda, the whole push to go electric <clears throat> is collapsing. I'm not saying they're not going to force us into it, but it's, it's, be, it's the, uh, the fraud that it is, the hoax that it is, is becoming more and more apparent. There's nothing green about an electric car. It's dirtier to make and maintain than a, what they call a fossil fuel car. Green energy is not green. The I saw a windmill, one of those big windmills. What do they call them? I call them bird blenders. Wind energy, those big propellers. The size of that motor on top that powers the propellers is the size of a school bus. I know it doesn't look like that from far away. That's how big it is. Massive motor. Nothing about that motor is green. Nothing. Entirely made, manufactured, 
powered by metals and oil and grease and all kinds of stuff. And I've seen them now catch fire, and you can see the fire and smoke out in the ocean, where they're, they're out in the ocean, built in the ocean, some of them. And the blades that go around are made out of a composite that will not decompose. Like if you buried your kitchen garbage and cardboard and paper and many things in the ground, even metal, some of it would rust and eventually become soil again. Not these things. We have a major problem. Batteries are very difficult to recycle. Solar panels are very, very difficult to recycle. So the CEO, the head dog, Jim Farley of Ford, the corporation Ford, admitted what happened was they heard about a guy that had all kinds of problem with one of the F-150 electric vehicle. Had all kinds of problem and had to park it and just go get another vehicle. So he took an F-150. This is the CEO. And uh, he said it caused him to have a reality check when he tried to make a cross-country road trip in his Ford Electric F-150. He said it's been pretty challenging. He said it was a really good reality check of the challenges of what our customers go through and the importance of fast charging and what we are going to have to do to improve the charging experience. In California, Mr. Farley said he encountered slow charging times when using a low-speed charger. It took 40 minutes to charge the F-150's battery to 40%. How long does it take you to fill up with gas? I mean, you, if you just don't have to wait in line, but you just drive up, maybe you have to wait for one person. You drive up, fill up, 10 minutes, and you're, filled, you're 100% full, baby. You are not 40% full. It took him 40 minutes to get just 40% full on the battery according to ford the company it has said it's partnered with tesla to allow ford customers to use the more than twelve thousand tesla supercharger next year other electric vehicles have also announced partnerships with tesla in other words they're allowing them to come in and maybe pay them some money and use the tesla supercharger tesla superchargers the other thing is long hauling in an electric truck is an act of pioneerism, they said. Not because it's hard or dangerous, but because it's a new way to experience America. That's a, that's a euphemism. Shifting from fueling stations to charging station requires new behavior and opens new possibilities. You know what they're really saying? You've got to find a book to read when you get there, baby, because you're gonna, or you're, you need to go shopping, or you need to take a, uh, an umbrella and take a snooze to get that thing charged for you. A Canadian man told news outlets that he, f- he was forced to abandon his electric truck after suffering charging failures during a road trip. The guy said he left his Lightning F-150 in Minnesota last month after he couldn't charge its battery at two different charging stations.
they were malfunctioning, the chargers. He then continued his drive in a rented gas-powered vehicle instead. His wife and three children joined him for the trip to Wisconsin and Chicago, setting out with three scheduled stops to recharge on the trip. He said it was a nightmare. His first stop was in Fargo, North Dakota, roughly 300 kilometers south of Winnipeg. He paid $56 to charge his vehicle's battery. Okay, I'm spending that much filling up, right? Okay. He he charged the battery from 10% to 90%, and he paid him $56. But the problem became at the next stop at Albertville, Minnesota, where he received a faulty connection message in his truck after he plugged in the charger. He dialed the number on the charger for assistance, but got no response. He said the truck ended up in the shop for six months. Can you imagine? I would just tell him to keep the sucker. He said, I can't take it to my lake cabin. I can't take it off grid camping. I cannot take it for a road trip. I can only drive it in the city. He said, this is the biggest scam of modern times. I agree with this guy. This is not news to me. It is not news to me. These these things are expensive, and to repair them is crazy. Highlights this ha- highlights the experience. The bad experience highlights the experience. The urgent need to r- rapidly improve access to public charging across the U.S. So. I've got a few people, maybe one or two, that have Teslas. I, I, to me, I don't have time to sit for 40 minutes or an hour to charge up my car. The AAA, the Automobile Association, released uh, this. They found that the vehicle's battery range drops significantly when it is hauling heavy cargo, possibly jeopardizing the, fuel, the vehicle's usage as a work truck. That includes hauling items like putting your tools in the, in the back putting the toolbox back there, equipment, and other items. In the case of battery electric pickups used as work vehicles, permanent loads such as equipment racks, toolboxes, and equipment trays built into the vehicle will reduce the range at all times, even without additional cargo. Potential buyers should note what type of driving they will be doing before making the purchase of an electric vehicle. They, these these vehicles are are designed for urban driving. If you're living out in a rural area, or you want to do road trips, you better get yourself a gas powered vehicle or diesel. The AAA testing revealed a significant range reduction, but it's most important to note that the Lightning was loaded to near its capacity when it had the problem I was just describing. Most buyers will likely use their Lightning with a lighter load. In other words, it's going to be a family car around town. That's it. It's a major loser. I want to read you. This is what a Maui whistleblower reveals. Written uh, was sent from an Oahu friend. Just reported. This is about a week ago. We're not we're not hearing from a local government. I just I just got out of a meeting. This guy was on the inside of meetings. I got out of a meeting 
where I was informed by someone in the mayor's office about developments that are being kept from the public. I'm telling you, you, li- you can hear this all over the United States. People know this. There is no longer transparency in America. There's no longer democracy in America. There's no longer a republic in America. We're under new management, people. This is what happens when you don't get serious about your civic duty. This guy says, I am not a conspiracy theorist. And I don't want to make trouble, but here's what I've heard. The amount of fatalities expected to be more than 500, but less than uh, 1,000. Many of the fatalities will be children who were at home because school was canceled. Parents worked and were not able to evacuate the kids. Children had no idea they needed to leave, and by the time they noticed their homes or apartments were on fire, it was way too late. The government is worried about how we will react when we learn that the fire department left the fire earlier in the day and claimed it was 100% contained, knowing that the winds were expected to be around 70 miles per hour in the afternoon. This is all against all fire control protocol. These are just factual things. Fire departments should not have left the original fire unattended. They are scared that the public calls for accountability will be more than they can control and protests and riots will occur. This is what this is like. Some, this is some guy's imagination. This is what was discussed in the mayor's office and with leadership. This guy goes on and said they plan to lock down La Haina for several months. It will take months to clean up the hazardous environmental contamination. They won't have enough housing for all the displaced. There were 2,000 unaccounted for this morning. They have a list where they are trying to keep track. They found 700 today, but there are still 1,300 people missing. They are very worried that the community is going to freak out when they find out how not a single fire truck responded to the fires. Does that get your attention? The emergency sirens were not activated. They're called hurricane sirens there. And loss of life could have been kept down by better emergency management, which utterly failed. You know, they had all kinds of lies. You remember the lies that came out? They were broken. The honest to truth was no one turned them on. But there's a reason. They thought, oh, well, we didn't want to upset the people. Letting them burn up is less harmful, I guess. The guy says, I'm not trying to make waves or stir up problems, but I'm so angry and sad when I found out how many children are dead that I knew I had to post this and let everyone know what I've learned. It's time for our officials to stand up, tell the truth, and face the music. They failed the people of La Haina. Our government is full of incompetent nepotism. Nepotism is when you hire friends and relatives in spite of them not being the best person. The fire chief is the son of the former fire chief. We need to hold officials accountable for the mistakes they made. Please don't hate the messenger. I'm just relaying what I learned today. God bless Maui and Lahaina and pray for all the victims. Well, uh, I, I appreciate people like this just telling what's going on. This is more collapse of electricity is good. Do you remember Solyndra when Obama was in power? 
a group of people, all kinds of corporations donated to the Obama campaign. So when he got in power, they came knocking on his door to see if they could get grants from him. So there was a group called Solyndra in California that made they were going to be this big cutting edge solar panel manufacturing operation. They got a half a billion dollars from the Obama administration under the 2009 American Recovery and Reinvestment Act called ERA. They blew all $570 million, and then they folded. They closed their doors. After Obama came and they did all this big hullabaloo, oh, this is so super, this is the wave of the future, this is perfect. They also got a $25 million tax break from California's Agency for Alternative Energy. Now, there's a, a bus company, California-based electric bus company called Proterra. They have voluntarily filed for protection under Chapter 11 in the U.S. Bankruptcy Code in the District of Delaware. Chapter 11 is a business reorganization. The interesting thing is all kinds of government money was given to Proterra. And the big lie is that Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, which you could probably see her being interviewed by Jess, Jess Hawley, Josh Hawley, from a senator from Missouri. You can see him interviewing her and asking her whether she or her Department of Energy leaders have investments in the energy industry, and she said no. She sold all of hers. Well, it just so happened she forgot about Proterra because when she heard they were going to go bankrupt, she sold 1.6 million. She sold millions of dollars of stock and made a net capital gain of $1.6 million on her Proterra holdings. That's Jennifer Granholm. Lied to Josh Hawley. They, Proterra received $3 million state grant to build a factory in 2015. They just received millions here, millions there, millions here, millions there. And what they did really diligently, they got a tax credit of $7.5 million in 2017. What they diligently did is pad the pockets of all the politicians and agencies up and down. And I have a list of all of them, and I'm not going to take a lot of time here to go over it. I just have, I'm looking at the printouts of the money, 10000 here, 12000 here, 15000 there, 2000 here. Kevin DeLeon, Lieutenant Governor Campaign, 2000, right? 2004. Uh, they're political people. Becker for Senate, Stern for Senate, 1000 here, 100 here, 500 here. And they just... Uh, padded the pockets so they would get support when they wanted help when they wanted to get grants from the government i have page after page after page after page where they paid 37,500 in 2021-22 for lobbying 50,000 another 50,000 and these are just per quarter 50,000 375 375 375 375 per quarter right Spent a lot of money lobbying. Why do they do that? Because the government is giving them money, our tax dollars, to 
eventually fail and go broke. In the public sector, when people go broke, they may take, they may hurt some consumers, but they're not funded by tax dollars. Just 19 days after the firm was brought on, Biden and his topic economic advisor, Brian Deese, toured Proterra and pledged that the administration's infrastructure plan would direct money to the company. In 2019 and 20, Proterra spent more than $280,000 on state-level lobbying. It's an electric bus company, folks. I just have page after page after page of 15,000, 20,000, 35,000, this thousand, that thousand, millions of dollars given away. California strategies and advocacy lobbying on behalf of Proterra in the state capital and for state agencies. Uh, people are now saying they should give the money back. U.S. Energy Secretary invested in Proterra. She sat there and lied to Josh Hawley. It's right on YouTube. You can watch it. This gal is amazing. She is a flamethrower liar. They owe all kinds of money to California Air Resources Board, California Attorney General, Board of Equalization, DMV, Department of Tax and Fee Administration, Energy Commission, Franchise Tax Board, State Board of Equalization, State Controller's Office, University of California, in San Diego and in Irvine, they owe money to this group. Secretary of State in California, California Department of General Services. Went broke, just like Solyndra, after they took all this government money. You know what I wonder? How much, did they ever have any member of Obama said, you need to have skin in the game? He just, you know, he talked a good talk. He was basically a liar. So, uh, Anyway, well, we're getting short on this uh, fourth segment, and uh, we'll be right back in about four minutes. Seems like yesterday we used to rock the show. I laced the track, you locked the flow. So far from hanging on the block the dough. Notorious, they got to know that life ain't always what it seemed to be. Words can't express what you mean to me. Even though you're gone, we still a team. Through your family, I'll fulfill your dreams. In the future, can't wait to see if you open up the gates for me. Reminisce sometime. The night they took my friend. Try to black it out, but it plays again. When it's real, feelings hard to conceal. Can't imagine all the pain I feel. Give anything to hear half a breath. I know you're still living your life after death. at the achievement of the United States, I think the most dramatic example of it is in the field of agriculture. If you go back to the founding of this country in 1776, something like 80 to 90 percent of the people were on farms. It took eight to nine people working full-time, 12, 16 hours a day, to feed themselves and their families, and perhaps one other person. Today, 
Fewer than 5% of the American people are on farms. One person today can feed himself and his family and 19 other and their families and also have a great deal left to export abroad. That is really, in a nutshell, the miracle of America. It was the Great Recession. Your friends and family members were being laid off. Your neighbors were defaulting and Americans were drowning in debt. And when our government wasn't bailing out the banks, they were in Vegas partying. The Obama administration's GSA, the General Services Administration, which nobody even knows what they do, spent almost a million dollars for a weekend conference on the Strip. While you were at work, government bureaucrats were spending your tax dollars popping champagne, dancing with chain-smoking clowns, true story, and enjoying Napa Valley Cab in a bubble bath in a room with a view. The government spent almost a million dollars on a Vegas pool party during the Great Recession. Have they learned anything? It doesn't look like it. After fire raged through Maui, Hawaii, leaving 115 dead, 850 Americans missing, hundreds of which are kids, for what's the deadliest wildfire in U.S. history in over a century, the government is once again disrespecting us. According to a report and photos obtained by the Daily Mail, FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the team that's supposed to be digging through the ashes and delivering aid, has turned the tragedy into a junket. FEMA booked themselves in the five-star luxury Hawaiian resorts. Relaxing at the cocktail bar, knocking back drinks, 45 minutes away from Lahaina, the city consumed by an inferno. They're shacking up at the Maui Four Seasons, beachfront, of course. Rooms there are $1,000 a night. The presidential suite goes for $29,000 a night. We sure hope they're not staying there. Hopefully, FEMA officials aren't getting spot treatments like the $225 one at the Lomi Mohala Massage. We pray they're not poolside sipping Laurent Perrier champagne. Since there's nothing to celebrate... The Mai Tai at the Maui Four Seasons is $32, gratuity not included. Now, we have boots on the ground there on the island. Spies tell us that they may have seen a FEMA foursome enjoying 18 holes in the Robert Trent Jones II design course overlooking the Pacific. It's not just the Four Seasons. FEMA agents are also posting up at the Fairmont, Keelani, and Maui, where rooms range there from $1,300 to $4,500 a night. Scuba, surf, and paddle lessons are not complimentary. Neither are the sunset Pilates classes. Do you have to stay limber to hold the leash of your cadaver dog? I don't know. FEMA agents are also crashing at the Grand Walia Astoria, five stars of course, where hula, ukulele, and snorkel lessons set you back. But the Mohalu Healing Garden and Beauty Lab, oh, it's a must. Are these the hotels Biden's FEMA officials should be staying in, gallivanting around in and drinking in, as search and rescue operations are underway with 500 kids still missing? Now, FEMA has confirmed that they're staying at these hotels, but they won't tell us how much they're paying. They mumbled something about a government rate, and they appeared vague and defensive. Biden's giving Maui fire victims $700, while his FEMA officials sleep at luxury resorts that cost more than that per night. Were these the only hotels that were available? I mean, we understand it's a small island and it's chaotic. 
But the five-star resorts 45 minutes away weren't the only options. FEMA officials could stay at the Days Inn where you could get an oceanfront view for 250 bucks a night. We confirmed it. Rooms are still available there. Days Inn isn't a bad spot. It doesn't have the aromatherapy sessions that the Four Seasons offered, but logistically and financially, it seems to make sense. If FEMA wanted to respect the American taxpayer as well as the Hawaiian people, Expedia shows plenty of Airbnbs for less than $200 a night. Now, when did FEMA develop this taste for the finer things in life? Because FEMA's administrator, Deanne Criswell, is complaining that they don't have enough money. We're watching our disaster relief fund very closely. Um, our estimates do still stay that we may um, have a depletion of our fund now. I mean, this is a day-by-day -day monitoring of the situation. Uh, we will start to move some of our recovery projects and delay them until the next fiscal year. Whoa, FEMA has a $25 billion budget. Now, Deanne, who gets paid 180 grand a year, is saying FEMA's close to running out of funds and they'll have to delay operations if Congress doesn't immediately send them billions of dollars? Now, if I were Diane and I was trying to cut costs so that I wouldn't have to delay emergency operations, I might not have hundreds of my employees staying at $1,300 a night luxury hotels overlooking a city burnt to the ground with toddlers unaccounted for. This entire tragedy was preventable, and now the government's using it as an excuse to dine out in style. The corrupt Hawaiian electric company neglected to clear the highly flammable grass underneath their downed power lines. Emergency crews refused to set off the emergency sirens because they thought the sirens would confuse people. And then the water commissioner wouldn't share the water with the fire company because water equity means indigenous plants get the water, not fighting fires. This colossal cluster of incompetence, of ridiculous ideology and disrespect is now coupled with an embarrassing federal response that make freeloaders look prudent. These people may have lost everything, but what they haven't lost is their dignity. And that's something some of these bureaucrats will never have. I got picked on because I was an awkward looking kid coming up, I'm gonna be honest. You know, I went through that awkward phase. I was real skinny. I used to have these real thick glasses. So I used to hear I was ugly all the time, you know. Worst thing I ever heard uh, was in seventh grade. This is true. Seventh grade, I heard, uh, you know, if you weren't so skinny and if you didn't have those glasses on and if you weren't so ugly, you could be my boyfriend. <laughs> I like how y'all laughed and moaned, okay. <laughs> That bothered me, man. That bothered me. That still bothers me to this day. I'm gonna tell you why that still bothers me, all right? It's because the dude that said it to me. <laughs> was a teacher, and I really don't feel like that's appropriate. society like no other society in the world.
no one is addicted to drugs like the Americans. And baby, we got a big problem here in Northern California. So I got a call today and, um, the fellow that called me said, will you call this fellow up in Washington? His son is in Yuba County jail and he can't come down. And he's wondering if somebody can come talk to his son about getting into a rehab. He's strung out on fentanyl, but he's committed some sort of crime to get into jail. Just cause you're on drugs doesn't get you into jail anymore. So I'm going to go visit him at nine 30 in the morning. That'll be Thursday morning for me. I know you're not going to get the show till Saturday morning. So uh, this is a typical week for me, along with Dr. Joe Cassidy, because every single week we get calls because we advertise on the radio and the newspaper and and then by flyers our phone numbers and said, listen, please don't die out there. Don't give up. We can help you get unaddicted. Get your life back. Get your family back, get your job back, get your dignity back, get and preserve your life. So if you know somebody like that, we encourage the addict to call us, not their mama, not their daddy, not their boyfriend, girlfriend, not their spouse, not their kids, the addict to call us. So I'm going to give you three numbers for Dr. I'm going to give you a number for where Dr. Cassidy works, the number for Dr. Cassidy if you can't get through on the line to Peachtree Health, and then I'm going to give you my number if all fails. Okay, here we go. Ready? Peachtree Health is at 530-749-3242, 749-3242. A lot of times it's difficult. The line gets backed up. You end up getting an auto attendance. It's difficult to get, get, get through. I get impatient, and I'm healthy. I am not on drugs. If I was on drugs, I don't know where I'd hang. That's why I'm going to give you a couple of backup number, numbers. Dr. Cassidy is fine with you texting his number once. Don't blow up his phone. Just text it once during the day, not at night. I'm going to give you the number, what to do, 530-682-8648, 682-8648. When, when you get there uh, or pull it up and text it, if you can text, put in your name, addiction, the word addiction, and uh, your phone number, and he will call you back. If he doesn't call you back right away, it probably just means he's seeing patients, which is taking all his time. He doesn't stop to call you. So if you get antsy and you need some somebody to talk to or respond to right away, that would be me. So you can reach me at 530-713-1838, 713-1838, and you can do that any time of the night or day, any day of the week. And then I'm, my next call is going to be, or next text is going to be to Cassidy. We'll brainstorm to get you the help that you need. Okay? Pretty simple, right? We can do this. And we, we're taking people off the streets all the time. All the time. And uh, so uh, people are getting their lives back. And, and many, uh, not just churches, but... It's interesting. I just saw uh, a testimony by Bobby Kennedy, who's running for president, and he talked about how he got off drugs, and he hit a point where he was having a, a struggle, and uh, there was some issues that kind of put some pressure on him, and he he studied 
Carl Jung, Jung or Jung, the psychologist, psychiatrist, J-U-N-G, and he said that the people recovered with mental illness recovered better when they had a faith in God or from drugs. And he's, it's accurate, even though that man's not alive today. Faith-based rehabs are, it isn't even close compared to a government, secular, no-gospel rehab Faith-based rehabs are by far the most successful. Way, way, way more. Not like 50 to 40 percent, 55 to 40. No, 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 no. Way successful compared to the others. So <clears throat> that's what we try to get people into and um, get them the help that they need. So Bobby Kennedy was saying, he was telling his story on how he turned his life around. And he's a researcher. He's a smart guy. And uh, you say, well, how can a smart guy, you know, I hear some people that are so shallow-brained. How can a smart guy do drugs? <laughs> Same way lots of smart people drink alcohol or smoke cigars or smoke pipes or smoke cigarettes when they know they're probably going to get cancer from it, right? Something you just get into and get make a habit of. So, uh, or don't take care of, eat the wrong foods. Don't get any exercise, right? There's a lot of issues in life. So I also wanted to mention to you, uh, Elite Universal Security, if you need some security help, I'm telling you, people just carry off stuff off now. They move into houses that are empty. In our area, I'm talking about it. a house that's vacant. People just break in and live there until they get forced out by the police. If you have vacant property, you need somebody to patrol it. I'm telling you, I know homeless people that have broken in and taken over houses. And then when they get run off, they take over another building and another building, another house. And they just lay low until they're caught. And then they get run off and they've destroyed the house, basically. So Elite Universal Security can help you with whether people are stealing your property by taking control of it or walking off with your, your property or thefts in your business. So I'm going to give you their number, and you can reach them night or day because they have a dispatchers there, and they're working all over Northern California. So I'm not just talking about people in Yuba, Sutter counties. I'm talking about if you can hear my voice, they work. They could be working there, and even uh, <clears throat> they work all the way up to the Oregon border, even though they initially started out in Yuba County. So uh, their number is 530-749-0280. So if you need a job, they also will consider training and hiring you. They need good, competent people. They'll show up to work. Not They're not taking substances. And they want to be kind to people, but they want to protect people's property, protect people's business activities. Not just property, but it's like uh, one restaurant in town, there was literally a group of homeless people out in front of the restaurant protecting the door. You had to walk through them to get into the door, and they, everybody would hit you up to buy a meal for them. At some point, people get tired of that. They just quit going to that restaurant. They just go someplace that they don't get harassed. So that's where Universal Elite Universal Security comes in, and they do all kinds of patrol, walking patrol, driving patrol. So 530-749-0280, if you need to learn how to use a gun, they can help you with that. They have a range. If you need to learn how to use a gun better, safer, 
You want to learn how to use the chemical sprays to stop people from bugging you, assaulting you, fussing with you. They can help you with that as well. So uh, check it out. Check it out. Okay. Did you realize, you remember the, uh, the owner of the Redskins, the Washington Redskins, famous team. I don't know whether he was forced to sell that team, but anyway, the woke people said, hey, this is, this is wrong. We can't have a team named after an ethnic group. So we can't have Redskins. And it wasn't Redskins that were complaining. It was White Skins that were complaining. Liberal White Skins. Not all White Skins. Liberal White Skins. They said, this is, this is offensive. It wasn't offensive to the Indians. It was offensive to white people that are woke. Oh, well, this just offends me. I'm just, I'm just I, can't, I can't hardly sleep at night. So now there's groups, pressure groups, public interest groups of Native Americans that are putting pressure on the NFL to return the name the Redskins instead of a, do you know what they call them today? It's embarrassing. I think it's a better name for a condom. They call it the Washington Commanders. Isn't that a good name for a condom? You know, like Trojans and, you know, I, I don't know all the names of the condoms, but I just thought when I heard commanders, I thought it sounds like a condom to me. You know, you know, control. Condoms are all about control, domination, no leakage. Commanders, you got it? It's a condom. So they're trying to get rid of the commander's name. And an August 15th interview with New News Nation, former U.S. Marine and uh, Native American Billy Dickman said that the old Redskins name is not a derogatory name nor a racist term, but rather one that is extremely honorable. I always felt that. My school, I went to high school, was at the, they were the American, we had the Marysville Indians. I always thought it was a great name. The Indians were warriors. They were independent. They were survivalists. They were, there's a lot of positive things you can say about them. Righteous, not necessarily. Pure, not necessarily. But there were a lot of amazing things about them. They were a, a strong ethnic group. Tough. Warriors. Stand up to live. They did not have central air conditioning in those teepees. And so they, they had no problem with the term Redskins. And they had the cool helmets it's like they had it going on, the Redskins. And sadly, some idiots, they took Aunt Jemima, got rid of Aunt Jemima. She was a multimillionaire. Nancy, I think it was Nancy Green, Nancy Smith, something like that. They got rid of Uncle Ben. They got rid of the Indian princess on the front of Landa Lakes, butter and all that kind of dairy products. They just keep getting rid of people and... And that was a positive thing about all those folks. Oh, it's bad to talk about a black person who knows how to cook good? Is that it? Make million dollars cooking? And, or she was in the 
advertising business, Aunt Jemima. Now we just got to run all these people off. So interesting. We don't run all the advertising people off now. We don't run Stephen Curry off because he's promoting Under Armour garments or Nike or what, whoever he's promoting now. We, we, why don't we tell Steph Curry, like, hey, that's racist. We're, they're just using you, Steph, Stephen. How about LeBron James? How about all these big sports people? Well, it just goes to show you. So various Indian groups are appealing to the, um, I guess, the government or the government of the NFL to knock it off and leave them alone, right? We got all these white liberals always telling black people how to live, how to tell how to tell red people, Mexican people, brown people how to live. They're just hypocrites. They're lies, lousy hypocrites. All right, all right, all right. Uh, let me just go up here. All right, I'm just... Oh, there's a new movie coming out. Again, it's about voting. It's called Let My People Go. It's going to come out in October 23 by David Clements about the stolen 2020 election. More and more people are just saying it's stolen. We know it was stolen. Judges wouldn't back us, so uh, we just got ripped off. And uh, sorry, I'm I'm uh, oh here I'm almost there. I, I have something I'm after here. I want to talk to you about. So there's an article in Frontline News. Three pilots die suddenly in one week. Pilots are dying left and right. Uh, airlines don't want to talk about it, but they have a shortage of pilots for two reasons. One, they forced the ones that wanted to keep their jobs to take the jab. And they're dying. They're having heart attacks right in the air or right in the terminal. Then those that didn't take the jab, they fired them. So now they're getting sued by those pilots. And a lot of them, I just think, will never, maybe they'll just find other work. So Indigo Airline, they have a pilot that last Thursday collapsed at the boarding gate in Nagpur. That's in India. I've been there before in the airport. He, he collapsed in the airport and was pronounced dead at the hospital. According to preliminary reports, 40-year-old Captain Manoj Subramaniam suffered a sudden, remember that sudden death syndrome? Sudden cardiac arrest. The day before, a Qatar Airlines pilot on flight QR579 from Delhi to Doha died suddenly on, on board the airplane. The 51-year-old was reportedly traveling as a passenger. A lot of time, airlines pilots will catch a hitch with another agency to get back to where they need to pick up their next plane. The describe, description on uh, the pilot that was riding as a passenger, he was very fit, and his uniquely 
or untimely demise has come as a big shock for everyone who knew him. You know, that's a big, that's a bad sign. I, I think basically, you know, airline pilots are under strict supervision for health. Three days before a LATAM, L-A-TAM or LATAM pilot or flight from Miami to Santiago, Chile, was forced to divert to Panama City after its pilot died suddenly in the lavatory. Wasn't feeling so hot, went to the lavatory, the bathroom, the toilet, and he didn't come out. He passed in there. They'd been in the air for three hours when Captain Ivan Andor collapsed in the bathroom, did not respond to resuscitation attempts. The co-pilot and relief captain landed the plane safely at Tocumen International Airport in Panama City, where passengers were stranded for hours. I'm just thankful that we got a couple of them that can fly. And we're getting ready to fly a long ways, two different flights. And thank God there's two pilots up in that front gig. One goes down. Hopefully, both, both, I'm going to have to get up there with one of the stewardesses and see if we can figure out how to fly that duck. That's big problems, folks, big problems. The Latam airline incident came a week after co-pilot on Tiger Air flight from Japan to Taiwan, that's that's the flights I'm in, suddenly lost consciousness mid-flight. The captain was nevertheless able to land the plane successfully. Guy lost consciousness, came back and said, I think I got it now. (laughs) And according to another report, United Airlines flight reported its pilot suffered a sudden heart attack mid-flight but regained consciousness. The captain reportedly returned to the cockpit, though it was unclear in what capacity. Like, ah, I got this. Heart attacks, I have them every once in a while. If you have heart attacks, you're not going to be flying any more planes, I'll tell you that. The the guy that had a heart attack and lost consciousness in flight, paramedics met the aircraft at the gate. How are these vaccines working out for everyone, commented American Airlines first officer and co-founder of Aviation Advocacy Group, U.S. Freedom Flyers, Josh Yoder. Josh Yoder has been fighting the fight, supporting the, the pilots. And I'm telling you, they're dropping, as they say, like flies. Just over two weeks prior, an emergency was declared aboard a Eurowings Discover flight when the pilot became incapacitated. Three days earlier, a 2006 Piper Meridian plane crashed near Martha's Vineyard when a female passenger took control of the plane after the pilot suddenly lost consciousness. The passenger was unharmed. Babe just landed that plane. Month prior, the first officer aboard Air Canada flight from Toronto to St. John's, Newfoundland, suddenly became incapacitated. Special passenger assisted in landing the plane. They call him a special passenger. Look at that. Three days early, a Cessna station whose pilot was reportedly slumped over in the cockpit crashed in Virginia. Killed everyone on board, including a two-year-old child. Less than a month before, a high-sky flight H4474 from Dublin to 
Chisinau, Moldova, diverted to Manchester after one of the pilots became unable to act 20 minutes after takeoff. We're coming right back. We got one more segment to go. Overtime hours for bullshit pay so I can sit out here and waste my life away. Drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me. People like you wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men know the rich men, Lord knows it all. Just wanna have total control, wanna know what you think. Look out for miners, and not just miners on an island somewhere. Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the old beast milking welfare. God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground, cause all this damn country does is keep on kicking them down. Lord, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men know the rich men. you do and then I don't think you know but I know that you do cause your dollar ain't shit and it's taxed to no end cause the rich men north the rich men this is a tropical update with your favorite meteorologist I get the greatest ratings look at it this is tropical storm Hillary take a look at her it's the only time you'll ever see Hillary not wearing a pantsuit Hillary has the potential to be deadly just ask Jeffrey Epstein. Hillary has the potential to cause mass destruction, very destructive. Just look at what she did to the blackberries, all those horrible blackberries. Hillary has the potential to wipe out everything in her path, everything in her path, just like she did with the servers and all of those big, beautiful emails. Hillary has the potential to cause very heavy and severe winds, more winds than... Eric Swalwell on national television, he let one go, his flatulence, you know what I'm talking about. And this never would have happened if I was your president. I stopped Hillary once, and I would have been able to stop her again. We would have built a beautiful wall here on the southern border to stop Hillary and anybody else that we wouldn't want entering our country, believe me. Here's the deal, okay? Ringo knows this. I mean, anyone, anybody with a brain knows this. I've got a lot of lefties coming at me saying, 
but Trump, but Trump, they, they chanted lock her up at his rallies. Like they were referring to Hillary Clinton and locking her up. But Trump didn't lock Hillary Clinton up, okay? He he didn't. And he could have he could have he could have weaponized the DOJ and completely gone crazy and started locking up his political opponents with Hillary being first. And he didn't. Because he knew, he knew that, hey, if we actually are going to start doing this, we're going to start locking up our political opponents. We're going full banana republic. And that's not who we are. We're a constitutional republic, and we're not going to do that. We're not going to do it. But the Democrats are now doing that. They've gone full commie, and uh, here we are. Here we are. Excuse me, hello. I think there has been a mistake. Okay, what's happened? You see my bill? It says 5,434.56. There's no mistake, that's the amount. No, but I only use an electric blanket. The only mistake is that it is two weeks overdue and hasn't been paid. But it is my birthday! It doesn't matter. How would you like to pay? Do you think I am stupid enough to pay a $10,000 electricity bill? Unfortunately, you have no choice. You have to pay it. And what if I do not? What if I do not? Your electricity will be cut off. You will cut my electricity? Yes. You do not give me electricity. Only God give electricity. God give human electricity, not you. The flu is very deadly. And do not call it the Spanish flu. That is racist. It's theta. There's no evidence it came from Spain. It could have even come from the US, maybe from a bald eagle or from a turtle or maybe even a field mouse. Now, you want to make sure you're standing at least six horses apart. Look here. That's a big no-no. That is a super spreader event. Nay. And if you live in a cottage, you want to make sure your cottage is at least 12 miles from your neighbor because droplets could come through the chimney and go in through somebody else's fireplace coming out and killing everybody in the house. Wear at least three burlap sack masks over your face. Wear gloves when you're churning butter. And don't touch your cow's udders without sanitizing them first. And you want to make sure you shut down all your local businesses. The cobbler, the bank, even the mercantile. Be safe. If you need some plumbing done uh, in the Yuba Sutter County's area, the plumbing doctor can take care of your needs. My friend Ted Holmes runs that. Just talking to Ted the other day, he said they're really busy. Um, he asked me for some help with some advertising other than what we're doing here. If you have a plumbing need, 24 hours a day. They'll do it any day of the week, 24 hours a day. It's cheaper if you do it in the daytime hours. But sometimes, like some of these restaurants, I see these plumbing operations in the middle of the night out of these 24-hour restaurants. They're like sorting out the problems, digging holes, opening up things, making everything right. 
Plumbing Doctor can be reached at 530-671-9111. It's very simple. 671-9111. 530 area code, and they will hook you up and get some nice fellas coming out there to get you back in business. And finally, the group that's helping us lately is Dave Greenwich Construction. Dave has been helping for years, for the time, been about eight. I don't, I don't even know how long I've been doing this. Maybe uh, eight to ten years. Dave has helped us here. Dave Greenwich Construction, that's the color green with ETZ on the end, green. It's Dave Greenwich. People should know him around town. He's been doing this for over 40 years. Kitchen after kitchen, bathroom after bathroom, remodel after remodel. They do a beautiful job, and I'm just going to tell you where to go to check it out. You can go to greenitzconstruction.com, or you could go to Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook page, and they have all kinds of photos. They got pictures of plans and how they changed the room around so they got it suited the folks better. The cool thing is they respond. They answer the phone or they answer a text, 530-682-9602, 682-9602. You can send a message off those platforms as well. The cool thing is they respond. So many people today just don't respond, do they? They do. They call back. They text back. They email back. They get the information you need back. They get the job done. They just don't start it and cause it to hang on for months and months and months. They get in there, get it done, give it back to you. Beautiful. Picture perfect. So if you want to, that's a big job. You know, when people decide, I want to, I want to redo my baths. I want to redo my kitchen. I want to redo something, something. I want to add on a, you know, family room, da, da, da. Remodel this part of the house. Rechange it around a bit. Big deal. Lots of money. It's expensive nowadays. So you don't want to have to do it over again or have comebacks. Oh, well, you know, we didn't know. We didn't know what we were doing. Oh, well, you know, we're not happy with the color, even though we picked the color. You know, on and on and on it goes. Do it right the first time, people. 530-682-9602. You know, all these people are nice people, too. Every one of these people that I'm talking about, they're all nice people. They treat people nice. Do you ever go into a business and they just don't treat you nice? Just kind of like you're a pain to be there. I, I like to do business with people. I've enjoyed it. I like to have the interaction, work together, come out with, solve something, create something that's pretty cool. And so I think I'm going to let, I'm just not going to read list after list of pilots that have crashed and died. I think you get the point, right? Every airline mandated that pilots take the jab, including the U.S. military. And it's a big problem now because now the hearts of those military pilots, fighter pilots protecting you and me, their heart is not normal now. They have things like myocarditis. It's an inflammation of the heart lining. Uh, I'm just trying to scroll down here. I got about 15 minutes left, so... uh Whatever government touches, it poisons, it it ruins. 
It pollutes. It doesn't matter where you look in the world. That's the problem you see. I'm just, uh, I'm debating while I'm talking to you. I'm debating and looking at some things that I wanted to talk about, but I'm just, uh, I have, uh, I have just a limited amount of time. There is a movement, whether it's a trans, you know, all these movements are crazy, right? We have mentally ill people that they're now wanting us to honor, like Mitt, Harvey Milk, all these transsexuals, homosexuals, all the various type of sexuals. They're crazy. The government's crazy. The Great Reset, Klaus Schwab and people, it's just not Klaus Schwab, he's a figurehead. Their goal is to ban meat, dairy, and private vehicles in 14 U.S. cities as a test run by 2030. It's a part of a far-left climate organization headed by billionaire globalist mini Mike Bloomberg. You know little Mike? Remember Mike? He was the mayor of um, New York for a couple terms. But he never stayed there during the weekend. He flew his private jet to the Bahamas. I think he even dipped into Jeffrey Epstein's operation. That's just seven years from now, people. Can you imagine not having any meat, no dairy, no private vehicles? The Federalists wrote an article about this. They say fully, adopt, fully adopting these measures will lead to the deaths of innocent people. Mankind cannot survive on insects and vegetables alone. Now, the interesting thing, Bill Gates has gone out, and he bought up more property than anybody in the United States owned, any individual owns, farm property. Do you think he's trying to do some innovative farming there? No. He's not farming the property, two hundred to 300,000 acres. What is he doing? He's investing in people eating bugs and algae and stuff. Fourteen major cities are part of the global climate organization known as C40 Cities Climate Leadership Group, which has an ambitious target. Zero meat, zero dairy, Three new clothing items per person per year. In other words, you want to go buy a new pair of pants or new boots or, or socks or something. Only three new clothing items per person per year. Zero private vehicles owned. One short-haul return flight, less than 1,500 kilometers every three years per person. So I couldn't fit into this. They'd eliminate my flying around the, around the world. The dystopian goals can be found in it's the future of urban consumption in a 1.5 degree centigrade world. It's a report which was published in 2019 and reportedly reemphasized in 2023. The organization is headed and largely funded by Democrat billionaire Little Mike Bloomberg. Nearly 100 cities Across the world, make up the organization and its American members include Austin. Here, here we go. Austin, Boston, Chicago, Houston, L.A., Miami, New Orleans, New York City, 
Philadelphia, Phoenix, Portland, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and Seattle. The target of eliminating meat, dairy, and private vehicles by 2030 is based on a future vision of resource-efficient production and extensive changes in consumer choices. They're going to feed you bugs and be bugs and algae. And supposedly that's going to save the world. What would really save the world is all these people that are running this crazy stuff. If somebody shoots them and sends them to have a meeting with Jesus or Mohammed or whatever, who's ever over there meeting people nowadays. If these were not their goals, they would not have labeled them ambitious targets. Mayor Eric Adams announced the Big Apple would place caps or limits on the amount of meat and dairy served by city institutions, including prisons and schools. United Kingdom or England, which is ostensibly headed by a conservative government, has banned all gas-powered vehicles by 2030. Telling you, seven, eight years away. France banned short-haul commercial flights to reduce carbon emissions while leaving private jets untouched. Is this weird? Private vets, if you've made enough money to have your own vet, you can fly all you want. But all these other people flying the cheap seats, not going to be able to do it. Just telling you what's coming. You could just sit back and not care or not do anything. Uh more and more people are posting on Facebook, do not comply with the new set of mandates. Just ignore them and go on. That's power. Said the World Economic Forum has used the so-called, in quotes, climate crisis as a cover to justify why dramatic, malevolent actions such as lockdowns, banned fossil fuels, and massive taxes are necessary to save the planet. Did you, I don't know if you've seen the PG&E bill. Do you know that our rates on utilities in California are the highest in the nation by a long way? And you know that PG&E right now is going before the California Public Utility Commission. You think it might be the CPUC is there to protect the public? Nope, they were supposed to, but they're all bought out by PG&E. They just got too much money to slip around. The Great Reset people were to utilize the COVID pandemic to unleash systematic changes or systemic changes in society to ensure that the poor, the serfs, live in poverty and misery while they, the leaders, enjoy the greatest fruits life has to offer. The leaders have these great excuses on why they can have all kinds of money and spend their money, however, and fly all over. And do all this and that, and yet that's okay for them because they are saving the world and us included. You got it? If you're involved in one, if you live in one of those 14 cities I mentioned, you might want to consider thinking of moving. Unless you want taxis and mealworms.
So climate, you know, you've been beat up so much with the media on climate change and climate crisis and global warming. It's just, I'm telling you, if you just, the easiest thing to do, if you had a blackboard and you had an eraser, if you could erase your mind of all the stuff, that's the best thing you can do and just ignore the whole thing. A 2016 paper published in Nature, the book uh, magazine Nature, by 32 authors from 24 institutions in eight countries. Remember how they say all reputable scientists believe this, da-da-da-da. 32 authors, 24 institutions, eight countries has revealed that an analysis of satellite data shows that there has been a 14% increase in green vegetation over 30 years. People, that is a real positive thing. I tell people, I want you to imagine what the Sacramento Valley all the way across the coast range from the Sierra Nevada was like when the Maidu people lived here. And probably the people that, oh, they were just pristine. No one ever got killed. No one ever got raped. No, no one, you know, everybody just loved one another. Nobody hurt anybody else. There was no battles between other Indian groups. Just total fraud. It's just total propaganda. When you fly over the Sacramento Valley and it's just green all the way across with rice fields and tree crops. When we look at when you look at trees from the air, you're looking at 100,000 trees, 50,000 trees. Every tree is putting off oxygen. Every tree is taking in carbon dioxide for their life. But we kids now have been so snowed with everything's going to poison us. When you have a generous amount of carbon dioxide in the air, it causes things to be green. You ever tried to green things up and you add fertilizer and you add water and fertilizer and water? Something that's got looking really funky. Carbon dioxide greens things up, folks. 14% increase in green vegetation over the last 30 years. Green, you know, Greenpeace, remember Greenpeace, they used to take those boats out and interfere with ships going through to protect the whales. Greenpeace co-founder and director, Dr. Patrick Moore, this guy is a uh, environmentalist. He got disenchanted with Greenpeace because he saw beyond saving the whales or saving something to their mission, which was just controlling people's lives. He said, one of my missions is to turn on its head the idea that carbon dioxide is a pollutant. It isn't a pollutant. It's a blessing from God. Carbon dioxide. We need it. We need a lot of it. He said, my mission is to turn on its head the idea that carbon dioxide is a pollutant and somehow dangerous. It is not dangerous. He says... This is Dr. Patrick Moore that started Greenpeace. You can go to CO2Coalition.org to check his work out. CO2, the the number two, CO2Coalition.org. He says, in fact, it is the most important nutrient, carbon dioxide he's referring to. It's the most important nutrient for all life on planet Earth. And without it, the planet would die 
And we're trying to purge the carbon dioxide. It's unbelievable. And we play all these games pointing at each other, accusing each other. And they were after Kerry for lying. Kerry's a liar. He lied. He said he didn't have a private plane. Then he ended up admitting it was in his wife's name. Just absolute liars. This doctor says, I say not only that carbon dioxide is good, it is essential. And it's a good thing that we are putting some more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere because it was running low before we came along. If we had definitive proof that CO2, carbon dioxide, was causing serious problems and we could prove it, don't you think they would write that down on a piece of paper somewhere so people could read it? It's a reason they don't have, they don't have any definitive proof. Humanprogress.org published a video over the weekend that claims a 14% increase in green vegetation over the last 30 years. The video also cites that 70% of this increase is, is attributed to CO2 in the air and that the vegetation has increased every year from 1982 to 2009. Listen, people, we need to bring on the carbon dioxide. The increase amounts to the equivalent of two land masses the size of the United States in new green vegetation. That is super duper. So... Anyway, we're, run, we're running short of time, and um, I'm, I can't really spend much more time on this. But it's a great article about this. Thank God people are writing and, and exposing, <clears throat> exposing the truth. All right, so we're going to call it a day. And I'll just to mention once more, August 31st, 6 o'clock at the Hilltop Hilton. Uh I think that's in Red Bluff. It's up in Shasta County. Let me see if they have a... Uh... Before we go here, let me just cover one more thing. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You can go also on to Shasta ShastaElectionNews.org, ShastaElectionNews.org, and to get get some details there, and uh, that should give you any more details. So you got to go. You got to go. Okay, we're going to call it a night, a day, or whatever it is, and we'll see you next week, Lord willing. Thank you. Of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. Bright blessed day and the dark sacred night, and I think to myself.